This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Let's go back in time to 1932 as Converse brings you historic footage of the legendary original Celtics with whom all great professional teams are compared. We have now taken over your radio. Richie Guerin is about to show you the most important step in getting past a man. It's the first one. And Oscar will inbound it. The men in green, the Milwaukee Bucks, that's Al Cinder against Bellamy. It has Jordan. Allen shakes Gray gets two. Gilmore on the oh. stop. Oh, oh brother. Lead Toledo Artist. You get 21. 4.28 to go in the first quarter for the Cow Palace. Here's Barry. Two of the Over and Back podcast on the PodiumGameGot.com, a member of the HB Basketball Network. I'm your host Jason Mann, and with me is your is my co-host Rich Krejci. Rich, they let us do another one. They did. I can't believe it. Yeah, they might not know. It might be <laughs> <laughs> the, le- the termination letters are in the mail. That's all right. We're it's possible. Keep well, going strong. Yeah. We're going to record three by the time those letters even come. There, there so. you go. Well, it's the advantage of uh, of turning <laughs> these out quick. You know. So, uh, so I want to thank everyone who um, gave us a re- told us uh, you gave us some feedback on the uh, first episode about Rick Barry. It was. Uh, very kind to uh, a lot of people listened. It seemed like yeah. which I'm surprised. I thought it would be you, me, and then like I'd force a few of my friends to listen, but I think other people yeah, did. So we, we, we definitely got some people who uh, at least they claim to listen to it. They claim like it. So <laughs> I, you know, I'm 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 good with that. So uh, we'll go with that. Yeah. Thank yeah. you very much. If you really like the show, um, totally awesome. If you went to the iTunes feed, which is at the uh, bottom of the uh, uh, at, at the bottom link at the bottom of the show, and gave us a little review and uh, rating, we're actually part of the pod. Cats Paroxysm Network, which has a lot of great other podcasts besides ours, but you know we'd uh, definitely appreciate that if uh, if you're a fan to do that, it'll definitely b- boost the amount of people who can uh, listen to our shows and all the other great shows on the network. So, uh, so yeah, we're gonna, but we're not gonna incessantly plug everything that we do for the, uh, <laughs> for the next ninety minutes or so. We're actually gonna talk about a subject we, and- unless you want to sponsor us, and then we'll we'll gladly. Do oh, absolutely. The first half hour will all be about whatever your product or business or <laughs> yeah there is very political there are very very few things that we won't do for money <laughs> election season <laughs> nearby so there you go remember remember yeah uh we are going to talk about scotty pippen and he is obviously one of the uh great players of all time uh six-time nba champ seven-time all-star two-time olympic gold medalist uh first ballot hall of famer named one of the top 50 players of all time and yet he may be underrated. Yeah. And that's uh, uh, interesting for him. I mean, I grew up in Chicago. I still live in Chicago. So he was always one that I grew up with. And, and I've always sort of been a 
I've always sort of cheered for the underdog or rooted for the underdog. And I think you sort of mentioned there where he was, there's sort of a connotation that he's underrated. He's, you know, he's, he's one of these best players of all time, but he's underrated because he played with Michael Jordan. So I always was a bigger Scottie Pippen fan than Michael Jordan fan because everybody was a Jordan fan. Everybody had Jordan jerseys, everybody, you know, and that I was like, you know what? No, no, someone's got to give Scottie some love. So he was always one that I, I uh, really took to early in my life. And, and really ever since then, he's been one of my favorite players ever. You know, you go back and you read a lot about him and sort of how he acted. You might, you might lose some stuff and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. You might lose a little respect for him here and there, but I mean, on the court, man, that that guy could do it all and just was ahead of his time in a lot of ways. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was just so versatile. You know, he could handle the ball, he could get to the basket. He had so much quickness and length, uh, just the ability to score in transition and also, you know, adjust his shot when he's going to, to the basket. I mean, a lot, he had a lot of the same strengths that Jordan actually did in, in many ways, but he was actually longer and you know a, a better defender. He obviously was not the scorer that Jordan was, although he. You know, he got his points, too, and um, and also was just a terrific playmaker who could get his um, teammates involved in the game. It was was perfect for the system they developed, was the perfect complement to Jordan and, and, you know, just the perfect fit into all those teams. I mean, there's no way he was as great as Jordan, but he was just so important for what the Bulls did is there's no way they would have had that same level of success without him. I mean, you know, a team led by Michael Jordan is probably going to win some championships, but there's no way that they would be able to be the, the dynasty that they yeah, became right. in the 90s. You know, with, with, They're not winning the 72 games, which is Michael Jordan, then a, a second fiddle or whatever. They, they needed that 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 1A, 1B, or if you want to do 1, 2, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But sure. whichever way you put him, yeah. I mean, that he was the, the, the key in that team becoming more than just a team that won a few championships and being a dynasty, in my mind, absolutely. Yeah, and it was hard, be, you know, just to... Obviously, Jordan just such, cast such a big shadow and a big light that there was that... You know, it was it was hard for anyone to kind of get the attention. I mean, it's hard for guys now to still. I mean, we still hear that. You know, where LeBron, well, you know, Jordan won this many. So you, if you, unless you do that, like, can you imagine? Like, we're we're still now, you know, 15, 20 years later, still guys can't leave the shadow of Michael Jordan. And yet this guy was playing next to him the whole yeah, time. And it's, yet, it's, it's, yeah, and there's that double edged sword of you know, well, if things weren't going well for the team, well, obviously it's not Jordan's fault. He's playing brilliantly. So you you, you the you know, you don't get the glory, but you also kind of get the blame. Although there, I'm sure there are times in which, and, and I will probably talk about this a little bit, in which, you know, Pippen's sort of glad not to be Jordan, not to have that same, you know, be mobbed all the time and not to have that, you know, constant focus on him. It actually, you know, was probably better for a guy with Pippen's personality. Yeah, certainly. And, and we've read articles and stuff, and, and we'll talk about that for sure. But yeah, no, it's definitely, it's a very double-edged sword is where, you know, if he was the, the top guy on a team, he gets all the attention. He doesn't really want all the attention. But in this standpoint, he was the second guy, didn't get all the attention. But now later, we're kind of like, well, you, why did he get so much attention? So as you mentioned, it's really weird. It's 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 not exactly sure. But no, it, you really look at it and you really read quotes and about, especially when he's growing up. He's a guy that probably, this could, there couldn't have been a better scenario for Scottie Pippen, really, than being on the Bulls, being with Michael Jordan, being in that system, just everything. It was just a perfect, and, and that's what happens in a lot of dynasties is like, Everything just comes together and fits perfect, and, and, and you just can't beat it. Like, you, you know, we'll talk a little bit later about him possibly getting traded to the Sonics. It's so weird to think of what his career could have been, but I think he, he landed in the perfect spot. I, absolutely. absolutely. Developmentally as well. And, and we read a, a bunch of quotes, too, where they said, you know, 
the fact that he was able to kind of develop for a few years without the limelight of, or, you know, without everybody looking and saying, oh, this rookie, you know, this rookie we just drafted, he's not doing anything, he sucks, you know. He was able to escape that a little bit for a while, even, you know, to get through some growing pains and become an awesome player. Obviously a Hall of Famer and all that other yeah, good stuff. So. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're going to go through uh, the career of Scotty Pippen, but before we do that, we're going to uh, talk to uh, Nate Duncan of uh, BasketballIntires.com, who I'm sure is going to have a lot of uh, awesome things to uh, t- to to say to us. So, uh so we're going to head and talk to Nate, and we'll be back in a few moments. All right, now for the interview portion of our show, we're joined here by Nate Duncan of BasketballInsiders.com. You can follow him on Twitter at NateDuncanNBA. Nate, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Uh, as someone who grew up in Chicago and uh, followed the Bulls closely as I was doing so, uh, I couldn't think of a better topic to come on and talk about. Absolutely. And, and so Scottie Pippen, we, um, and maybe we'll start off with that. Cause obviously you grew up in, uh, uh, in Chicago, similar to me, I grew up during this era, the MJ Pippen era. What, what are sort of your, your, your vivid memories? I don't know how old you were at that point, but what, what sort of your memories of that time specifically Pippen? So I was born in 80. So I really, when he was drafted, uh, I was seven. I didn't really follow the team that closely until the first title season, other than just watching a few, playoff games my first real memory of him was hitting a corner three in game five of the 89 first round the game that Jordan eventually won um with that shot at the buzzer he hit a three I think to put the Bulls up one after when they were down two with maybe you know like a minute 15 left or something uh which I I remember was everyone was really surprised by because he didn't really shoot threes very well during the year, and then he oddly shot them amazingly during that postseason. And I went, I went back and looked at Basketball Reference before just to get prepared, and he shot, I think, like uh, something like fifty threes during that postseason, <laughs> and only took only took seventy during the entire regular year, and he somehow shot thirty nine percent. It was a complete aberration. Uh, so I thought that was an interesting fact about him, but that was my first memory of him. You know, one interesting thing about Pippen is that there's this he he kind of has this um reputation as being somewhat underrated, you know, maybe by the probably the hardcore NBA fans appreciate him, but um but uh you know, maybe your more casual sports fan doesn't. Uh, first of all, do you think that's the case in do you think that was kind of the case during the 90s? You, you know, did you did you kind of have people run into people who thought that despite the fact that he was you know, a top 50 player and eventually a first ballot Hall of Famer? You know, I think uh, uh, this has been a big uh, debate that's gone through the years of whether he's rated properly. And I, I think he really is. And I, I think the the reason for that is because, you know, he did real well as a sidekick. You certainly, as with him as the, your second best offensive player, that's nothing to sneeze at. You can have one of the great teams of all time. But then during the years when Jordan was out, he was able to increase his usage and really had his two best years statistically during that time as well. So you think, and that was when he was 28 and 29. So maybe even if he'd been on his own for the couple of years before that, he might've been even a little bit better um, during those years. So I think, I think since you have that kind of test case, that diffuses the argument that he was just simply a creature of playing with Jordan. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and another sort of thing that sort of adds on to that a little bit is when we look at advanced statistics and we look at sort of stuff, it's hard to really capture or maybe uh, maybe I'll pose that question to you because that's sort of one of the narratives as well surrounding Pippin is that you look at a lot of the advanced stats and maybe he does look a little overrated to some people or to others, maybe he's underrated. You know, there's there's this weird imbalance here and a lot of it does do, deal with statistics and the advanced statistics and what we can sort of see from what Pippin did. And we had a lot of people sort of asking us, do you think any stat really encapsulates what Pippin was really good at. Because obviously we know you, you can watch game film. You remember growing up, Pippin's d- defense was, was incredible. And he was so good at being, maybe not getting all the steals or not getting all the blocks that sort of win defensive player of the years, but being sort of in between gaps. You know, there, there's a famous of him uh, defending Magic Johnson. And yeah, it won't show up in the stats of what he's doing to Magic, but he's killing that guy. And Magic's gassed and just completely done or whatever. That doesn't really show up. Do, do you think stats do a proper job of really... If maybe you handed a stat sheet of Scottie Pippen to someone and said, what do you think of this guy? Do you think it'll do a good job of capturing who he really was or what he was? Yeah, it does if you look at the right stats. That's Mm -hmm. the real issue. And to me, I think his offensive stats capture what he was. I think the the fact that he – a lot of what his value was was because his versatility allowed so much leeway – in team construction, look at it from the offensive perspective. He's someone who never had a great percentage shooting from the field. Uh, I think his career high true shooting percentage was, you know, 55, 56%. But because he was able to handle the ball on the wing, he allowed the bulls to play guys like Craig Hodges or Steve Kerr, or even Ron Harper, who was not, you know, really a true point guard, but he allowed, you know, Ron Harper was someone whose defense really helped. Uh, but, you know, they couldn't have gotten away with him as a point guard without Pippen's ball handling. You know, Steve Kerr also not really someone who's going to play make at all. They needed Pippen to do that type of stuff. So offensively, he really helped with the team construction. And then, of course, defensively, you look at the team, the way the team was constructed, they never had a great rim protector. The great defenses in NBA history are almost always based on having a tall guy who's really good at blocking shots uh, backing up. The Bulls are one of the great defenses that never really had that. And Pippen was the main force behind that, both in his ability to lock guys down one-on-one and also uh, in his help defense, which uh, is, is another aspect which, you know, it's not, there weren't really any stats to quantify that back then, mm-hmm. but you can just look at where the Bulls rated defensively during those years. And you can see, well, you know, he and Jordan and Rodman, I mean, but you getting that done without a great rim protector, I think we're looking at their rating to be that high without that is uh, another stat that really shows how valuable he truly was. Do you think that Pippen uh, changed what teams were looking for at the small forward position during his career and afterward? It may have changed what they were looking for. Um, and, and I think you're on the right track because there, you know, going back to the sixties or so, I mean, there was a time when there were just forwards, there weren't even necessary necessarily power forwards and small forwards. There were just forwards. And those were guys who, generally, you know, would kind of shoot from the mid-range, maybe put the ball on the floor a little bit in short areas. But then you, during the 70s, you had an evolution where you would have a small forward who's more of a scorer 
and then, you know, a power forward like Paul Silas type who would do a little bit more of the dirty work. But then Pippen was the next evolution because he, as the small forward, was a guy who really initiated the offense. And he's he was one of the first point forwards that Paul Pressey was probably really the first, but Pippen was probably the first of those guys who also was really a good scorer. Whereas previously the model small forward had been someone like Alex English or even Adrian Dantley guys who were, you know, going to kind of receive the ball already in the front court and then maybe go to work from the mid range rather than initiating the offense themselves. And the only reason I would say that he didn't necessarily revolutionize the position is because there's still so few guys at that position who really can do the type of playmaking that he did. But I think he certainly revolutionized the ideal of, of what the small forward could be if you had the talent. Absolutely. Another interesting aspect, and, and you might be able to, to add some insights to this growing up in Chicago, is um, and a big part of what we've talked about during this entire podcast has been sort of Pippen's contentious relationship with fans, with the media, with the team, with his coaches, with general managers, you know, play, just he, he, he really sort of and it's hard to. When you go back and read newspapers and read old clippings, you see so much stuff of, of these issues that he sort of had. And I don't know if we necessarily talk too much about that these days. If, if From your standpoint, as somebody who grew up in Chicago, how do you think the city of Chicago or, or people or maybe how you perceive him, maybe attitude-wise, not player-wise? Because I know my dad who's like, you know, he's 60 now. And he, he anytime I mention Pippen, he goes, ah, that crybaby or whatever. Like, he hated him, whereas <laughs> I was really young at that time. So I'm just kind of like, well, I liked Pippen. Like, I wasn't reading the papers. I didn't know that. I was just watching the games, whereas he was like, ah, he's bitching again or he wants more money or, you know, that sort of stuff. Where So I'm, I'm kind of curious on your thoughts. Where, where do you see him sort of attitude-wise? Uh, in in or yeah you, you, yeah you you kind of know what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I, I'm always a little bit loath to just comment on what other people's perceptions are. Mm-hmm. My number one, uh, the number one judge for me would be that pretty much everyone that he ever played with raves about him. Guys like Kerr, Phil Jackson. He was sort of the the teammate that they all believed in. He was a great team player. Whereas. Jordan could be a little difficult to coexist with on the floor. Scottie Pippen was someone who sacrificed who everybody loved as a teammate. So that would be, and, and even, you know, the way he was supported even after the 1.8 seconds thing showed that. And, and I think that was for most people was an aberration. And, and that was something that, you know, Pippen could be a little prickly. And I think also had some insecurity to him as well. And, and, some of that was justified, and he also had some, frankly, uh, justified reasons to be angry over, you know, his contract. Even though, you know, it was something that he negotiated, it was it ended up he ended up being very underpaid for pretty much his entire Bulls career because uh, he signed and he started off with a rookie contract, and then he signed I think a six-year contract extension in the summer of '91 after the first championship that only paid him about three and a half million bucks a year. And then the salary cap shot up like crazy. And as a result, you had uh, him making three and a half million when guys like and Jordan was making 30 million, when guys like Kevin <laughs> Garnett had signed, you know, a six year, $120 million deal in 98. And so then that, fi- that was the contract then that finally expired after 98. And then he ended up going to the Rockets in, in free agency so I, he certainly felt a reason to feel bad about being underpaid. The other issue was that 
the CBA, I think it was in 95, uh, outlawed just renegotiating contracts the way you could previously. I'm not as much of an expert on those old CBAs as I am the current one, but uh, that was another issue. They couldn't even really redo his deal, even if they wanted to. So, yeah, I, I think he felt he felt bad about that. He, he came from a really, you know, not the most uh, affluent background by any means. He was not someone who was a star growing up. He went to a small school. He had a pretty scary back injury early on in his career that always made him kind of insecure, especially if you read the Jordan rules about, you know, the potential for injury. And that's why he signed that super long contract, which ended up coming back to bite him. So there were some reasons I think that uh, kind of fostered that insecurity and what some might have perceived as a bad attitude, uh, rightly or wrongly. Uh, last question from me. Um, how do you think the '90s Bulls um, stack up with the, uh, you know, the, kind of the other great uh, super teams in uh, NBA history? At least that. Well, that, that that's a great question. I think that they were the best of the teams, uh, you know, better than any team that came before them. People talk about you know the '86 Celtics as as being another potential contender. I don't think that if you look at either the 92 Bulls or really more the 96 Bulls, I don't think that Celtics team would have had the athleticism to match up on the wing and they would have been able to put Pippen on Bird, which would have, would have, would have uh, you know, Pippen is probably really the best possible defender that you could imagine for Bird, unless you're talking about LeBron James maybe. So I think that those and then who are they going to put on Jordan either? I mean, Danny Ainge or an older <laughs> Dennis Johnson probably wouldn't have gotten it done either. So I think that those Bulls teams were just a little bit more athletic than those Celtics teams, not to denigrate them, especially because that was a team that people don't realize because it was a bunch of seemingly slow white dudes that they actually had the number one defense that year uh, in 86. But I, I think those Bulls teams probably would, would have been some of the best ones. Certainly their statistical resume is the best. The only thing that you can say about that 96 team is that the competition they faced might've been a little watered down. There was expansion. The league added, I think, uh, six teams from 1988 through 95. And so that the league, you know, the growth of talent didn't keep up with that. And in fact, the 88 to 91 drafts were all really bad. And so those were the times when you would have had superstars from those drafts uh, going into their prime if they'd been any good, but the overall talent was kind of down. And that's why you had in the late nineties teams with kind of older stars, like the jazz, the bulls, even the rockets uh, doing much better because there weren't those, stars in their prime coming in behind them. So that's why you had teams, you know, uh, how you can have a Michael Jordan who was age 33, 34, 35, still be the best player in the league at that point. Uh, before we wrap up here, this is always kind of a big question. And we, we try to do this podcast mostly without talking a ton about Jordan and comparing Pippen to Jordan and that sort of stuff. But it's a big question in everyone's minds. And do you think that being, ta- you know, being sort of a tag team with Jordan, do you think it, it hurt or helped his legacy? I think ultimately it helps because, I mean, 
he wouldn't have won six championships without that, right? We probably oh, wouldn't no. even. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we wouldn't have been having this conversation about him without that. And and the fact that there was that brief hiatus let him show his stuff a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. So so I think that sort of takes away the whole idea that he's just only good because of Jordan. Um, but no, I, I think ultimately it probably helps, and it's not like there was so much offensive firepower on those teams outside of Jordan to where Pippen's numbers were really that depressed. Even, even his per game numbers in 94 and, and 95 weren't that much higher than they were when Jordan was around. So I, I think ultimately they were a great combination and especially in a time when three point shooting wasn't as important as as it is now, you could have two guys who weren't great three-point shooters at the two and three. Uh, now they might have a little bit more trouble with that because, uh, you know, you need to have one of those guys probably be a floor spacer. But, uh, yeah, I think it was a great combination and really only helped him, uh, at least from a, a historical perspective. All right, well, Nate, we thank you for joining us here on the podcast. Of course, we're talking Scottie Pippen here. I appreciate it very much. I can read all of Nate's work, basketballinsiders.com, and also at, on Twitter, at Nate Duncan NBA. Nate, thanks for joining us. All right, uh, please be sure to invite me back for the Brad Sellers podcast next time. <laughs> what about the Rory Sparrow one? That one's actually next week. So can we just keep you on the <laughs> schedule for it? <laughs> Take care. All right, thanks, guys. Well, thank Nate from BasketballInsiders.com for the interview. Uh, really good insights there. Um, so now let's get into the career of Scottie Pippen himself. Um, I think the start it right from the beginning, I think, is the best way to do. We're going to go kind of uh, – we're going to have a lot to say because he had a very expansive career, a lot of different career. But I think it starts with his start in central Arkansas, just a, like the most – Random start for for a, a future NBA Hall of Famer and Smith, uh, Sam Smith, uh, the Chicago Tribune's you know famous writer at the time said that no Hall of Famer was further away from being you know what he was as a college freshman. Where with Scottie Pippen, which is just insane to think of, is this like skinny short guy from Central Arkansas that might not have even been on the team. Yeah, I mean, he was the team manager, um, you know, basically as a favor to his high school coach, uh, you know, as a freshman until, you know, he had an unbelievable growth spurt and, you know, started to excel in his sophomore year. And by by time he was a senior, he hadn't been seen a lot, um, you know, because Central Arkansas, you know, and NAIA wasn't exactly, um, you know, they weren't shown on television or anything like that. They never quite made the tournament. Um but by the time the draft actually happened, you know, like he had a buzz, you know, like like the scouts had seen him and, and there was certainly like a, um, you know, like he wasn't completely out of from nowhere exactly. But like he definitely, you know, uh, he was an unknown, for, you know, for the most part, for sure. For either the, the people there, you know, at the draft um, certainly had no idea who he was. Yeah, and, and if you watch the video of the draft, which is really good, and NBA TV um, around draft time always goes and plays old drafts, and I just I, I eat that up. Um, he gets picked, and they, they mention him. Uh, David Stern says Scott Pippen. He doesn't say Scotty Pippen, which I thought was pretty funny. And they, so he says Scott Pippen, and then you just hear this, what sounds like booze, but if you really listen, it's people saying who. And then you hear, like, even the guys you know at the desk are, like, flipping through papers because I'm sure they had it, like, listed, and he's, you know, maybe – they thought he was going to go first round, but I don't think anybody thought he was going to be, you know, the fifth overall pick. So there, there's, you, know, you just hear this like, <laughs> like who, who, and then like, all right, Scott Pippen, Central Arkansas, and then they have like a video 
and it's all from the pre-draft camp. There's like nothing of his college, and it's just like here's him, here's him dunking at the pre-draft camp or whatever, and that's it. That's like all they have, and it's just back to the guys at the desk talking. So it's kind of funny. Um, it's sort of now when you get those like random, like we had Bruno, the 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 Toronto Raptors draft pick this year, and he had like maybe 13 seconds of clips, and then it went back, and they're like, oh, well, that's all we got. We had like a YouTube video that we downloaded before, but yeah, it's pretty funny in that era where it was just like, yeah, you hear audible who's when he's picked, which is, is funny. Yeah, absolutely. And he was chosen along with Horace Grant in the 87 draft, who he had a very close friendship with for a while. Um, he, uh, he was actually drafted by the Sonics, and, uh, but he was, but, but, you know, it was a, a prearranged deal where um if reggie williams was picked uh ahead of him then the uh, sonics were gonna go ahead that was the guy they want they went ahead and um and went ahead and picked um pippen and then traded him to the bulls for old and paul Neese. so uh definitely and i think we know who got the better yeah, of that deal I, obviously I, I the supersonics so. yeah. <laughs> the uh the bulls also got a 1989 first round pick in which became bj armstrong so they got a good haul that yeah, year. Yeah, it was. Yes. <laughs> for Olden Polonies, yeah, who, yeah. Uh, who did not have a very illustrious no. career with the, uh, the Seattle they Supersonics. They lost Jeff Sanders, too, you know, which was obviously <laughs> a, a huge loss. So, Power shift. <laughs> yeah, you know, Jeff Sanders. Um, so there's a there's a article from SI um, from early in 87 uh, talking about how Pippen is actually, you know, adjusting well, although um, they uh, – the Bulls assistant general manager, Billy McKinney, called the, the NAA competition at Central Arkansas as amateur white at the not, at the Y, but saying that Pippen did not seem intimidated. In fact, that the first NBA game he ever saw in person was the first one that he played in. So kind of praising his poise already, you know, in that time, even though, you know, definitely Pippen did not play a whole lot in his first year. He did not start. Actually, his first start was during the uh, was game five of the, the first playoff series against the uh, Cavs, the which, which was the deciding game of that series in which the um, in which the Bulls won. So, um, you know, he definitely it did take Pippen uh, some time to adjust to the league. He was definitely a bit of a work in progress. You know, his mm-hmm. his numbers all grew through his second and third season, and it took him a while certainly to become like an all star level player. But you know, obviously the potential was there. Yeah, and and one thing that's kind of remarkable with him is he, he never really was a three point shooter at all. But you look at his rookie year and like twenty three attempts. Shot 17%, so uh, not 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 the best percent. And he never became like a knockdown shooter, but he, he got to 37%, I think was his career high, somewhere around that range, and, and ended up at 32% for his career. But you watch that rookie year, and that was like a, yeah, don't 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 take these. Yeah, <laughs> just no. 23 attempts, he made four of them, so probably a good idea to tell him to just not yeah, take that's, them. That's so. almost Anthony Bennett-esque. <laughs> oh, not that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so he... Uh, so he's able to uh, – he helps uh, lead uh, the Bulls to uh, Michael Jordan's first playoff series victory against the Cavs. Um, he was seventh on the team in minutes behind Brad Sellers, who he's soon going to take over. Um, the team also includes Jordan, obviously, who was Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, Charles Oakley, uh, Dave Corzine, uh, Jim Paxson, and Horace Grant are all kind of in major roles. So you have a, a few of the guys who, of course, become – part of that uh, Bulls dynasty and then you have some guys who are going to uh, be, be sent packing soon mm-hmm. and this is not that Clipper series 
or not, uh, not Cavs series. No, yeah. it, it, yes, that, yeah. that was the next. So year. Yeah, this this yep. was not not as dramatic, but it did go five games. So, <laughs> uh, and the same result happened. Um, uh, and uh, well, I guess they were coached by Doug Collins both years. It was the next year. It was the following year yeah. that was Phil. Uh, so it was it was pretty similar in most respects. But Pippen did. He had twenty four point six rebounds, three steals, and the Bulls one hundred seven one hundred one uh, victory. Doug Collins kept him in the uh, starting role in the second round, but they did. They lost four to one against the uh, Pistons who uh, uh, won. No, they went to the finals that year. They did not win that. Right. Yeah. And losing to the Pistons would become a trend for a long time. It it definitely (laughs) would. So, yeah. Yeah, the next season uh, is a uh, is a better year for the Bulls. They're 47 and and 35. well, actually, there it's actually a little bit of a slip uh, in their record. Not much of one, three only three games. Um, they do go deeper in the playoffs. They beat the Cavs and the Knicks before uh, losing four to two to the uh, Pistons. Uh, Pippen has you know uh, improvements ar- around the board in his uh, raw numbers and a bit as well in his um, shooting percentage um, and. Um, he did come off the bench uh, for his first 16 games, but started uh, thereafter. Um, also, the team got Bill Cartwright in for Oakley this year. Uh, also got Craig Hodges as well. So starting to add the pieces again, that would uh, you know be, be part of their um, thing. Uh, and, some familiar names, and, yeah, that you'd start. Exactly. You know, it would stay there through through some of the titles. So, yeah, you're starting to slowly but surely see the breakdown. We'll see it. The next year is another really, really interesting one. I mean, that's when it really starts coming together. Yeah. And then they they fell uh, to the uh, they fell to the Pistons again, uh, four games to two. Um, and uh, so they the Bulls decide, well, that's not quite good enough. And they uh, they hire Phil Jackson as their head coach, who had been, uh, you know, hired as an assistant, I believe, the previous season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phil, eccentric Phil Jackson, who coached in the CBA, of course, had a, uh, you know, was a, uh, a character for the, uh, for the Knicks in the, uh, in the seventies as well. And, and, and Phil, of course, is about to be, be, become the most famous and most successful head coach in, uh, you know, possibly in NBA history. So successful, certainly famous, I guess it's arguable, but he's up there certainly. Um, and they, and they do improve, um, they're uh, 55 and 27. Pippen has his first all-star year. Uh, Numbers-wise, he does improve a bit, but he doesn't really make the big leap until the following season. And uh, he he plays almost the exact number of minutes as Jordan does. So um, they uh, they also they they get um, B.J. Armstrong, Will Perdue, Stacey King all uh, join the team. So that's basically the core of guys. I mean, you're looking at it. Yeah, that's, that's uh, it. I mean, that's, that's they have. Yeah. And in that, um, they beat the Bulls and the Sixers, but fall again to the Pistons in game seven. Um, and this is sort of infamous because um, in game seven, Scotty Pippen suddenly had a, a migraine uh, that came on during warnups. He was one for 10 from the floor. Uh, it's sort of, it's, it's written in, um, sports illustrated in kind of a, uh, a flippant way. He says that I had trouble visualizing my teammates at Pippen referring to his migraine problems. And then the writer says not have as much trouble as Jordan did Scotty. So, uh, <laughs> you know, there, there was definitely a perception at the time in which like, not necessarily that he was faking it, but that he was not like man enough to you know go through that migraine. Like I don't sure. think that kind of thing was respected as it as it might be more today. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And, and now with obviously concussion issues and that sort of stuff, we, we look at, at that stuff. And, we, and I think we as a, as a sports society and, and sports teams now treat injuries a little bit better. You still have guys who, who maybe play through stuff that they probably shouldn't. But for the most part, we've started to understand that you're probably better off at 100% than playing at you know 70% or whatever. But but this situation was still um, – and, and this comes up from time to time. I mean, it still comes up in the playoffs with – with anybody, modern guys, where if there's an, if they have a really awful game and there's something that's going on, there's questions about okay, where's his head at? What's this going on? What's going on this? And this was this became a theme with Scottie Pippen for a long. I mean, this we'll, we'll get into it a little bit more, but this isn't the first time it's going to come up where people sort of question his toughness or question his drive to win and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, absolutely, uh, and um, he also Pippen gave Lambeer a hard foul early in the series. You basically tackled him, like, basically clotheslined him down. Um, and there's some suggestions in uh, a later Lambeer profile that maybe Pippen ducked him. You know, I don't know why that would be. They would think that would be the case, but apparently that's what somebody felt. Also, Jordan is very vocal about his frustrations and rips his teammates after the team falls down two to nothing. And you know, they, mm-hmm. they do make a rally and get to seven games, but they they do just fall short. So then, uh, 90-91 season, uh, the uh, the first championship year, the team improves to 61 and 21. Uh, they're first in the league in offense, seventh in the league in defense, and um, Pippen, oddly, for whatever reason, does not uh, is not an All Star this year, despite making a pretty strong statistical jump. Um, Bernard King had a comeback year, so kind of understandable that maybe they people would pick Bernard King. Uh, but Alvin Robertson also jumped ahead of him, <laughs> and uh, who was playing for the Bucks, and that's just a weird one. Yeah, here, here's here's Alvin Robertson's numbers uh, this year. He had uh, 13.6 points per game, uh, 3.0, uh, three points, uh, three steals per game, which actually led the league. So maybe they were just really, really loved love uh, somebody who could lead the league. Yeah, and then uh, 5.5 assists per game and 5.7. Um, rebounds per game and now you, you sort of take scotty pippen uh he had let me get these right here they're they're going to be a little bit better yeah it's 17.8 points per game uh 2.4 steals per game so you know that's a huge difference 6.2 assists per game and 7.3 uh rebounds yeah. so basically everything besides point you know six steals per game and he was better in basically every category by leaps and bounds but yeah the Marekas, I mean, we, we, when the Bucks are going to be as good of a team, oh, wait, they were 48 and 34. Well, you can't, <laughs> I mean, you just can't deny Alvin Robertson. <laughs> I mean, when Alvin Robertson's ready to have a Hall of Fame season or uh, an All-Star season, you got to give it you, to him. So you, you got to respect Alvin. Uh, that guy made a lot of All-Star games, and I don't know if he, I mean, the few of these seasons are a little bit better than yeah, those. Yeah, I mean, he was. The early Spurs years are pretty good. This one yeah, is I not mean, he was a, a good he year. He was a solid player, certainly. He was a good one, but. He was so much better the year before, too. That's what's funny. Yeah. Is the year in 89-90, he's so much better. But this year, okay, well, whatever. Alvin! Oh. I'll try to do, were we able to look at old, uh, was anybody, was there an old Bleacher Report article about, uh, <laughs> in 90, 1990, about how Scottie Pippen got screwed or top 10 reasons, you know, wait, wait, I, Alvin Robertson well, doesn't deserve his. I my research. Huh? Yeah, I did too. Yeah, I didn't see it either. So I wasn't sure if you saw it. Okay. Well, either way. So, um, you know, we, we do see an improvement, uh, it, it, basically in everything in, in shooting, rebounding, assist percentage. He got a defensive player of the year of vote, was second on all team ID. So his defense is starting to get more respect, at least, you know, from voters. Uh, the Bulls blew through the Knicks, Sixers, and Pistons, and then uh, L.A. for the title. Uh, 
importantly, of course, overcoming the Pistons after losing to them three straight years in the playoffs, uh, just sweeping them in the series, basically just completely destroying them. And, um, and then, um, completely destroying them. And, uh, and then before, uh, there's the infamous Pistons walkout as, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they, they refuse to shake the bull's hands and they, they walk out, they, they, they go out in a, uh, in a blaze of jerkdom rather than, you know, being classy, kind of a, an interesting cap on that bad boys era where, you know, they kind of, a lot of people kind of thought good riddance to the Pistons at the time, which which may have maybe led them to be in a surly mood, but Anyway, uh, then they get to the finals, and it's it, it's the great you know the, the 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 player of the '80s in Magic versus the player of the '90s in in, in Jordan. You know the, the the bridge between those two eras, and then the uh, Bulls just completely um, wiping out the Lakers. Uh, the yeah. Lakers did win the uh, first game in the series, but it was pretty much all Bulls after that, and a lot of it was uh, Pippen being put on uh, on Magic in the uh, second game of the series and just working tirelessly against him. Yeah, and, and that actually, um, sort of from a, from a Bulls fan perspective, there, this reminds me very much of the series of the Bulls' heat in uh, 2011, where um, the Bulls won the first game. This is the Eastern Conference Finals uh, 2011, and the Bulls won the first game. And, you know, in Chicago, everyone's like, oh, my God, we're going to break up. And this is the first year of the big three, you know, Miami Dynasty or whatever. So the Bulls win game one or whatever. Game two, maybe about halfway through the game. I don't remember exactly when it happened. The Miami decides to put LeBron James on Derrick Rose, and then boom. It's over, and the, the the Bulls never sniffed another game. The Heat absolutely, you know, dominated them the rest of the time. The, the Bulls had nothing to do, and I see a similar thing with this. And you watch uh, videos on this, and there's a really good YouTube video just showing Scottie Pippen's def- uh, defense on Magic, and it's it's incredible. I mean, that's just a guy outworking Magic Johnson, knowing that if he's just going to sit with him and run with him the entire time, he's going to wear this guy out. And you really see Magic Johnson go to the bench, and he's he, he any time out, he's just drenched in sweat. He's chugging Mountain Dew. I mean, or, uh, Gatorade. He he just cannot <laughs> chugging Mountain Dew. That might have been the problem, Magic. <laughs> yes, but uh, that's, that's too much sugar, Magic. Yeah, that, that's so silly. Why are you doing that? Yeah, but no. So you see, and, and you just see him, and, and he just can't do anything. And Magic, and 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 you see Magic. I mean, even his passes are are, are you know. Lacks and he's just it, you can tell that Scotty Pippen just outworked him and it was very much a, a passing of the guard of like okay we're the new we're the athletic bunch you get out of here old man you know you go away and it really I mean that was as you mentioned it was the team of the eighties versus the team of the nineties and it was the passing of the torch really absolutely yeah and, and Magic's numbers were pretty still pretty strong in that series uh, you know even his percentages weren't too bad so uh, you know I, I'm sure that there was a lot of reasons to that series he did have a pretty high turnover percentage but um, but I you know just Pippen making him work and the bull and the Lakers really didn't have any other strong options. I mean, obviously Kareem was retired, you know, they had a decent balanced team of Diva and worthy and Sam Perkins and AC green and Byron Scott and those guys. But, you know, it just was, it was definitely like, you know, the bulls were younger and hungrier and had that, that three Doberman's defense, you know, uh, Grant and Jordan Pippen and just were able to supply so much pressure and yet recover, you know, um, and uh, they, they, there's a Sports Illustrated article talking about, you know, Grant in particular of being just so important in that and, you know, being able to supply pressure at the point of the ball and also get back to, to play defense on an open man. And then also Jordan Pippen swiping for steals and, uh, you know, being able to score so easily in transition. And that's obviously, you know, defensive principles that are 
at, you know, at play a lot today uh, of just being able to be aggressive and, and yet recover. The Heat obviously um, did a lot. Of, have been doing a lot mm-hmm. of that for the uh, you know the past four years. Um, so um, you know, it, it's just you know, the, the younger, hungrier team, the team that was ready, and all, and, and the and also the Bulls were able to be so physical with the Pistons. I mean, they were finally able to just kind of beat the Pistons at their own game and, and frustrate them and tire them out, and just and they were kind of you know it was another team that like had been great for a while in the eighties, and, and it weren't quite the team of the eighties, but obviously it won the last two titles. So um, and and they were getting older, and it you know it was it was a new guard. Yeah, absolutely. So 91-92, they win their uh, second championship, uh, even better in the regular season, 67-15, and 15, but they have a harder time in the playoffs. Uh, they sweep the Heat easily enough, but then they it, the Knicks take them to seven games, uh, and uh, the first seven-game series of Jordan Pippen, well, the, well, I guess the first seven-game series win for them. Uh, then the Cavs, uh, they, they beat them, but in six. Uh, then they beat the Blazers for six in the uh, finals. Uh, Pippen helps out, of course, during that time. He, in, including a 17 point, 11 rebound, 11 assist game, seven against the Knicks. Um, so, and uh, Pippen's back to an All Star year with you know great numbers. He actually starts the All Star game. In fact, thanks to a a bird injury, um, led the team in minutes. He received one MVP vote, one Defensive Player of the Year vote. He was all second team NBA and, and first team all defense. So definitely getting, you know, um, the respect from the voters, um, even though again, you know, still in the shadow of Jordan. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they, they run through things pretty well other than of course that Knicks series and the Knicks would be a, a tough team for them as the nineties continue on. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, the finals were, were an interesting one as well. You, you sort of, the common narrative that that I mean, it was a close series though. A lot of the series that, that the Bulls teams that entire year just had a lot of close series, and that Blazers series in particular. You, what, to be fair though, that's a really really good Blazers team. If you look oh, yeah. back, I mean, you forget of just how deep that team is. Where you have Danny Ainge, and that's like you could forget that you have Danny. I mean, you have Drexler and Robinson and Kersey and Ainge, and it's just like that's like just a super talented team that that really had. A, I mean, they were very close. Yeah, the, the really the, there's only one blowout in that series as game one against uh, where the the Bulls. You know, beats uh, Portland by 33 points. Yeah, other games, you know, several, a few of them are four and five points, and the others mm-hmm. are you know, just around 10 points. You know, so um, you know, it was a, a pretty competitive series. Yeah, but most of the, you know, the the Bulls rarely completely dominated a final series. I mean, most of them went went six at least. Um, you know, uh, I think every except for the, if I'm not mistaken, I think every one of their series went six except for the uh, 91 finals. Is that right? Uh, that is correct. Yeah, the Sonics won. Um, did that, that go? That went six too because they won the first. That went three, six. Okay, yeah. Then, if that went, yeah. yeah. Then and both the Jazz series, I believe, were, were six as yeah. well. So yeah, they're. Uh, but I heard. But the narrative is that Jordan never lost in big games. Well, <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, I don't know. Are you saying Skip Bayless is right? Uh, it's possible. I, I'm. You know, <laughs> I would beg to differ. So yeah. okay. We'll, we'll agree to disagree yeah, on okay, that. Okay, no, fair that's, enough. No, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, you always because you assume that this team that's just this unbelievable dynasty that would just roll through people, but they always, no matter what. And I remember, you know, living and dying with my parents at the time, and living and dying through that. And they would say that, you know, that my dad, who I don't, he probably didn't know what he was saying, but he would say that it was just so weird and frustrating that you knew this team whenever they wanted to could just win it, but they were they, they would just be weird you know games and they would just kind of lose or, or just this, and when they needed to win though they always did and they always did win the big games 
you know, in that sense. But there was always just this weird frustration that like we should be, you know, we're, we're the best team ever. Why don't we just roll through everybody? I mean, especially in, you know, 95, 96 or whatever. It's like, well, why did we not just, you know, nobody should have beat them yeah. the whole series. But, you know, well, yeah, I mean, it's just it's hard because the other team's trying hard, too, and they have good players. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it is one of those things where, yeah, just people always get weird about that in the playoffs. And it's like, no, this is like two teams that are trying their hardest. Like there's going to be that ebb and flow. Like teams are going to lose in the play, but everybody always freaks out. It's like, yeah. you know, two, two in the NBA finals. And oh, my God, you know, who's choking? This team's choking. That team's choking. That one's it's just like, all right, it happens. Like. Let's relax and just let's let's worry about it when the season the series is over. But nope. So uh, so Pippen and Jordan are both uh, among the players chosen for the great '92 Dream Team, the American uh, first American team of pros to make it into to, to be chosen for the Olympics. And of course, they dominated through all the competition, won the gold medal. Uh, and one thing in particular is interesting because they faced off against Croatia. And Croatia had Tony Kukoc, and Tony Kukoc had been—I guess he'd been drafted by the Bulls, but was yet to sign there. And um, um, Jerry Krause, who was uh, the the general manager, who basically built the Bulls dynasty, and who was not liked by Pippen or Jordan or really anybody. Um, <laughs> he, you know, was just gaga about how Kukoc is going to be this great player and how he's going to, you know, revolutionize the game. I mean, he, he kind of ended up. Like he he was kind of the the player that Dirk Nowitzki ended up kind of becoming. Yeah. That was sort of the idea behind what Kukoc would be. He's this six eleven guy who can shoot threes and is just incredible. And so the and, and Pippen in particular was resentful of that. So um, you know uh, they just really went after Kukoc during that game. And in particular, Pippen was just like, I don't think he would help us at this point. We've won back to back championships. I don't see how he would help us right now. You know, all that kind of thing. So I mean, they basically just destroyed the team, destroyed him. And, um, and just completely we're, we're like, um, yeah, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're not interested in playing with this guy and, and having him be, you know, part of us and potentially replacing yeah. us, you know, because they just don't, didn't trust the management there. And especially Pippen is a guy who's always, in, and this goes out through his career, he's always a very insecure sort of person, despite his, you know, tremendous skill level and the fact that, you know, he, he's, you know, multiple-time all-star and all that stuff, but he always sort of felt slighted or insecure or something like that. Yeah. And and obviously financially as well, we talked about that a little bit with Nate, where, you know, he, he signed a deal that was probably not the most advantageous to him and always sort of had an issue with that. And I'm sure he knew that Kukoc was going to come in and if he, you know, came in, was going to be making more than him and, you know, potentially taking minutes away from him and potentially some of the spotlight and that sort of stuff. And, and that's a common theme in, in Scotty's career is that he always sort of felt slighted or he was always, and that, honestly, that was Jordan too. I mean, Jordan needed competition and needed some reason to just rip your, you know, <laughs> rip your spine out and, and would just make up reasons to do well, it. So yeah. if anything, anything came to mind for him, if, if someone said he wasn't good at, at hitting bank shots, he would go and spend an entire month hitting bank shots only or whatever. I mean, that that's just how he was. He was just an ultra competitor and, and maybe they both were and it. It was, it was beneficial in some ways. It, it was. Yeah. And, and also, you know, Pippen was involved in a lot of trade rumors. So that would, you know, mm -hmm. I'm sure that would kind of make him feel insecure as well. Because well, if Kukoc comes in there and, and, and gives similar, numbers to Pippen and, and they can get you know forget it that we'll, we'll trade Pippen and get a get a real center get a you know a, a, a real another point guard or something like that so I, I get it I totally yeah get it. yeah absolutely and also yeah I mean just you hear so many athletes to play the I don't have they don't respect me card or they don't respect this card and it's like these athletes you know they're they in this high level competition and they're in this 
you know, they're in all these games so much, they have to figure out ways to, like, motivate themselves and to, you know, get themselves amped up because you just get used to the normal pressure, you know, to, to a certain extent. So, you know, it, it may, I mean, obviously, few people are as psychotically as competitive as Jordan was, but it is common, you know, I feel like for athletes to, you know, fi- try to find ways to motivate themselves, even if they right. seem cheap and silly to us. Yeah, and especially that dream team, they needed some motivation to beat anybody because that was the year, you know, where, where, where teams are getting autographs at like midcourt during games right. and stuff. And they're just like, I mean, they're just blowing, they're doing backflips and Barkley scoring, you know, <laughs> 30 points a game by just throwing his big ass into people. And so it's just, uh, that's they needed a reason to have one game that felt like a real game to them. But yeah, no, it's. So uh, 93 goes along pretty similar to uh, 92, although the regular season, they're not as strong. They're 57 and 25, so 10 games worse, but they're still awesome, you know, Um, and uh, they run through the Hawks and Cavs, sweep them both. Uh, They end up uh, beating the Knicks in the Eastern Conference Finals four to two. Uh, and then they play the uh, Phoenix Suns. Uh, Charles Barkley led uh, Phoenix Suns four to two, but it was a very, very close series. I mean, every game was ten points or less. Uh, there was a, uh, a triple overtime game. I mm-hmm. believe it was game three. Uh, you know, the game six basically came down to the uh, last shot. And uh, so just an incredibly competitive series. I believe actually the Suns outscored the Bulls in this series. Uh, yeah, no, that is true. I have read that fact. Yeah, <laughs> one of the few. There's there's a few series in which the um, that in which the losing team actually outscored the winning team. But this is one. I, I think out of like I think there were like six of them, and only this was the only one or two that went six games. The other ones were seven game series. So, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, and, and, you know, there was some motivation there because uh, Barkley had been named um, Barkley had been named MVP that year. And um, and so, uh, you know, and Jordan, you know, felt slighted, you know, uh, about that. So uh, one interesting maybe rightfully so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, uh, Barkley did have an awesome year. But, yeah, I mean, it, that was the voter fatigue was still, and we see that. We see that today, even too, where it's like, well, we voted for LeBron a few years in a row, yeah. so we might as well give it to this guy. Right. You know? it, it, exactly. So, um, and then the, one thing you talked about with uh, with Pippen is like you know, the, the kind of like the the questions about his mo- about you know um, how much he cared and, the, and all that stuff. You know, there's there's a um, anecdote from at, right at the end of the. Um, the, the Knicks series in which, um, you know, Pippen, he scored 24 points, seven assists, six rebounds in game six, did very well against the Knicks in deciding games. Uh, and he was asked, Scotty, do you think this was a series when you finally proved yourself? And this is Pippen took a deep resigned breath and said, I have two rings. I don't think I have anything to, prove. you know, just, <laughs> you're right. I, you know, you're right. Exactly. I mean, I just think he would face that question so much. It's just like, geez, you know, like get a new narrative guys, you know? But I, I guess it's just sort of an easy thing to write or that there is, I guess, mm-hmm. some smoke there. So, um, so you know, I understand. There's also some talk, you know, in an article about how Pippen and Horace Grant used to kind of be buddies. But then Grant called him arrogant and cocky in an article and said he, he couldn't handle fame and fortune. So I guess they're mm-hmm. um, they're they no longer, uh, you know, f- felt good about each other. 
No, um, this is this two-year run of Scottie Pippen is, is without. I mean, if you look at the, the the raw numbers and stuff, you you could easily call it probably his best run um, statistically, and 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 maybe on the court as well. I mean, he was just an awesome player. And I, I did a little bit of research here, and it's a little like Elias Sports Bureau where I kind of like looked at these, but I, I think this is okay. So I looked at um, twenty points, ten rebounds, eight assists, average per years, which Scottie did in ninety one, ninety two, and ninety two, ninety three. So I looked at other people that have done it. That's per one hundred possessions, twenty points, ten rebounds, eight assists. Um, there's a few others that have done it. Uh, LeBron, uh, Kevin Garnett, Jason Kidd, Grant Hill, Larry Bird, Fat Lever, Albert Robinson, and Magic Johnson are the only other ones to do that. Um, and because Pippen had done it twice, uh, two years in a row, I looked at other people that have done it more than once. And that list is even smaller. That's Larry Bird, Grant Hill, LeBron, Magic, and Fat Lever. So... Pretty interesting there, and 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 Fat obviously he was on those Denver teams where they were just you know they were, <laughs> I, I guess it's it's per one hundred possessions, so we'll give him his credit either way. But that yeah. team, man, they had they probably had two hundred possessions in a game, so so that doesn't necessarily come, no, I'll, I'll count him in there, but yeah. definitely, I mean that's that's a lead category the, with Bird, Grant, those Hill, were fat LeBron, statistics, and, and, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I. I thought that was interesting. Absolutely, so yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, it shows about his versatility. I mean, that that's a short list of people that have been able to do it. And a lot of those guys are contemporaries. You look at you know LeBron, Garnett, Kid, you know, even a Grant Hill. But yeah, it's pretty interesting. I, I don't know how Alvin Robinson snuck into that one too. I didn't even notice <laughs> that. I didn't even notice that until right now. What a guy! Yeah, you know. Let's give him some credit. Yeah. Okay. All right, Alvin. Uh, so um, we'll do the show about him soon. Well, Maybe definitely. Next. He's, <laughs> he's on the short list. That's for sure. So <laughs> all right, we're, we're going to take a little break and then we're going to uh, come back to talk about some of our, uh, our, our favorite second bananas to uh, top NBA stocks. It's truly a pleasure for me to be here. You know, this is like a brother in arms. When we went into battle, I knew I had someone watching my back. Scotty Pippen's been with me for 10 years. I prayed for someone who could step in and watch my back when I first got here, and this guy came here in 1987. And he really, really helped me out a whole lot. All right, so we're back. We're going to, we're just going to talk a little bit about, you know, obviously one thing is that, about Pippen is that he is, maybe the greatest second banana to, you know, the, the, the greatest, uh, the greatest second star to the greatest star of, uh, in NBA history. I mean, that's certainly arguable just as far as like a guy who complimented another guy. Um, but there's a, you know, plenty of instances of, uh, great combinations in uh, NBA history. Some are very well known. Others maybe aren't quite as well known. So we're just going to talk of, uh, about a few of our favorites and, uh, and, and see what we end up learning. So, um, Rich, what are what are some of your favorites? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, the, the the question too before we kind of get into the second bananas is it's always sort of interesting to take this because we're putting together this list because we want to do this for, for the show, obviously, and it's hard to. Some guys seem like they're one A, one B. Some seem like they're second. Banana. It's very hard to see that sort of how do you sort of separate those people that are like that? We have a Stockton Malone, who, who's a guy that I obviously, you know, th- that's a combo that I, I definitely loved. It was a team that I really enjoyed. I mean, obviously even facing the bulls, I still respected what they did and all that sort of stuff. To me, there always seemed, I don't know who would be the second banana in that, you know, I think Carl Malone's a better overall player than John Stockton, but they're so closely aligned. And I feel like they, so it, it's, it's not a second banana. It's Stockton and Malone or whatever. And I don't know if we necessarily get that with Jordan. I mean, you have other guys like, um, it gets kind of because you have a guy like a, a more recent one is like Gasol and Kobe. How do you necessarily? I think that is very much 
a sort of a, a Gasol being a second banana, but I don't know. I feel like you could you could say that too because I it's just so weird. I mean, you have a Shaq, a, a Kobe to a Shaq earlier in his career. Yeah. Um, it's it's so weird to try to figure out that line of like because there's there's some guys that are very clearly one two and then there's so many different like kind of one a one b's and i'm never really sure how to kind of define that you you know what i mean yeah and there's also kind of like you know like a case in like the 60s uh celtics where obviously the the top guy was bill russell but there were so many other standouts Uh, i mean there's sam jones who won 10 rings and you know was a complimentary guy but there's also you know somebody um you know bob cousy who was you know maybe even the number viewed as the number one star um you know early on you know early during that run because you know he'd been the point guard for a while he had those local ties um and, uh, you know, somebody like Havlicek later who kind of evolved from that six-man role to be, you know, kind of one of the primary guys there. I mean, there's there's so many there, but yet, you know, obviously Russell had those, you know, complimentary stars that, you know, that, that, that worked with him. But there were so many in those cases. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. Also, like a case in a, a Wade to LeBron James where sure. Wade obviously was like a star who had carried his team um, and yet he sort of realized or seemed to realize that he needed to take that second banana roll for the sure. for things to work for the heat, acknowledging, you know, that like he is his health limitations and his age and needing to defer to LeBron to completely make that work. Where at first, like there was kind of the obs- the first year. No, the first year was like one A, one B. And there was like equal possessions and equal usage rates or whatever. Yeah. And then, yeah, that next year it was like, OK, no, LeBron should probably get, you know, a lot more and handle the ball more and all that right. stuff. And obviously it was quite successful. Yeah, and, and there was that absurd notion that like LeBron. Ron was like trying to team with Wade because he was going to be like the 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 Pippin to Wade to Jordan's to Wade's Jordan, you know, which right. <laughs> obviously is one. You know, some that I think are are kind of forgotten a little bit are um like uh like and I didn't even know this, but I was kind of looking up some of the like Minneapolis um Lakers uh stats and one guy that stood out to me as uh, as a guy who was just like I- I- incredibly good was uh it was Vern Mickelson who's a guy I'd never really heard of that much but just really was um you know of those early Minneapolis Lakers teams he was definitely like the uh he seemed to be like the number 2 uh you know, mm-hmm. guy. And, um, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think that, I mean, I guess the only guy who's really well known from those teams today is, um, is Mike. but I mean, that was sure, a, yeah. you know, that was a team that won four titles in, in, in five years, you know, and, um, was definitely a powerhouse and, you know, he definitely seemed to have a, uh, a big role in that. Um, there's also uh, Bob Dandridge to Kareem Abdul. Yeah, and he was great. I yeah. mean, that guy is really good when you look at his numbers. But I mean, man, he he couldn't have been more of a second fiddle when you got you know Lou Cinder there. But no, he sure. was really. And awesome. also, you know, he was a part of the uh, the, the great late '70s Washington Bullets teams. You know, that, that sure. went yeah. to the finals in '78 or won the title in '78, went to the finals in '79. So, um, you know, he worked out there. You know, maybe doesn't quite exactly fit that, but, um, you know, there's also somebody, uh, obviously like a, I, and this is tough because there's like a Sean kept to Gary Payton, but, but yeah. I would, I would, I felt like those guys were Eagles or maybe even Kemp. Was sure. Like I, I, I'm with star you at the time, 
but yet you look like long term. Obviously, Kemp disintegrated <laughs> and Peyton stayed there, and, and you know, as a Hall of Famer, and Kemp did not really have a Hall of Fame career. You know, he, he, he you know, if he had lasted longer and been a great player longer, maybe, but he just, you know, wasn't and, quite that. And level. even at the time, and I, I could be wrong, just sort of my understanding of, of you know, what I, how I was a fan at that time. I always thought Kemp was way better than Peyton, and I think it was because Kemp did the flashy stuff and was the, you know, the big dunker and in the you know, NBA Jam, he's he's one of the better players and all that sort of stuff. Whereas Peyton was sort of the down and dirty sort of guy. So if they had sort of kept on those career paths, I wonder if it would have been Peyton as the the second guy and Kemp. But now it's so hard to think of that because Kemp goes to Cleveland, gains you know three hundred pounds and has thirty seven kids. So we forget about that. But yeah, it's very interesting because at the time I always felt like Kemp was better than Peyton. But you know that that could just be and that could be just baseball or uh, basketball me who's like you know eight years old and of course you would like Kemp more than Peyton when you're like eight or nine. But you know. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And then there's another one where it's sort of like, uh, you know, Isaiah Thomas on the uh, late 80s uh, Pistons, you know, there's there's some interesting candidates there because there's obviously Joe Dumars, who was like steady and dependable and, uh, you know, and played for the Pistons for so long, even after Isaiah was done. There's also uh, Lambeer, whose career with the Pistons almost exactly tracks with Isaiah's career um, and, and just feels sort of spiritually in line with Isaiah as far as the attitudes go with the bad boys. So, um, you know, I mean, I guess that was just more of like a team with a lot of great players. And I don't know if there was necessarily a second one there, but, you know, um, I guess if you either, either you pick the yin and the yang there, or you pick the, you know, the, the two guys who are in sync, uh, you know, spiritually, but Lambier was, I think a way better actual like number producer than people like, think sure. Like, yeah. He was actually like legitimately an all-star for, uh, you know, a few seasons. It wasn't just based on reputation. I mean, he really was a guy who in addition to everything that, you know, um, you know, all the just, you know, the fouls and the surly attitude and all that stuff that he's famous for. I mean, he really was a guy who actually produced very well on, on the court. Certainly, yeah. And that team always gets the rep of being, you know, they, they scored, you know, 50 points a game and just shoved you down or whatever. But, but Dumars and, and Lambeer and all those guys, they're super, it's a super talented team regardless oh, of, you know, that rep yeah. that they sort of get. I mean, people just sort of assume that they, they grind into every single win they ever had. And it was a good team, though, regardless. Oh, so. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, a great team. I mean, you know, they won two titles and, and they did it in an era of super, you know, that was super competitive. I mean, they, they beat yeah. down the Bulls. I'm looking right now the Celtics. The, uh, you know, they beat down the Lakers. I mean, sure. All those teams near their peaks. So, yeah. Uh, the 88-89 uh, Detroit Pistons, they're actually uh, seventh in the league in, in offensive rating. So, yeah. like, the idea that they, you know, they they gave up, you know, 70 points a game and then scored 72, like, that that's not exactly right. how it Right, yeah. Went, I so. mean, I, I, you know, they, they, they could grind it out for sure, but I think they were like a um, – <clears throat> they, they kind of um, were the team that pushed the style toward those Knicks – you know, 70, yeah, then it got ridiculous. I mean, but I don't yeah. think they actually were involved in a lot of those on their own. No, no, absolutely not. Well, I think we're going to uh, go on to part two of Scottie Pippen's career. And uh, of course, in the 93 offseason, Michael Jordan retires, decides, hey, I want to go play baseball. And of course, you know, I'm a little bit flippant about that. But um, Jordan, of course, had the tragedy of his uh, father dying over that summer. And, uh, you know, and and Jordan actually was I mean, he wasn't super young. I mean, he was, I think, 31 or so at that time. Mm -hmm. And that was not really an uncommon age for NBA players to um, retire. I guess he was 29. So he would have been a couple years early um, 
er than a lot of players, but it was not even at that time. It wasn't necessarily uncommon for a NBA player to retire at at uh, 32 or 33. So yeah, and and this is a guy too. If you think about the, I mean, the the, the wear and tear of his game, that the mental aspect as well. Where where this guy, I mean, as as we mentioned previously, is just he would make up things in his head to get up pumped up for games. I mean, this guy is I, I could. I could very easily see. I mean, I am sort of on the fence. I, 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 there's, there's conspiracy theories and all that sort of stuff. This isn't where the show kind of talk about it, but I could see if you want to make a, a justification why he did it is, you know, his father dies. His, his, his brain is just, I mean, this is a guy who just every day wakes up and eats and sleeps basketball. stuff. I can totally get you just being like, you know what? I am okay with just riding a bus and nobody bothering me Yeah, for a little uh, bit, just like, just a little bit. Like absolutely. I just, <laughs> I just need to get away. I mean, this is a guy who was on the cover of sports illustrated, Nike, McDonald's. That's sort what of I could totally get a guy just being like, no, you know what? I need to just get away for a little bit. Well, now you made me feel bad for making fun of Jordan. No, it's okay. All right. Fair enough. Because <laughs> he was not very good at, at baseball either. Yeah, that was kind of a sideshow as well. He could have just went home and did nothing. Uh, he could have. Yeah, he could play baseball in his backyard. Um, <laughs> get a get a pitching machine. Oh yeah, he could afford it. Oh oh yes, he could. <laughs> he really could. Um, so uh, so that obviously shifts Pippen's role. He's now the man. You know the 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 main guy in the roster, and he actually responds very well. The team finishes fifty five and twenty seven. Um, Pippen's eighth in the league in scoring. He's second in steals, 19th in assists. He's named to the uh, first team, all NBA, all defensive first team. He's fourth in defensive player of the year voting and third in MVP voting to Hakeem Olajuwon and David Robinson. So obviously great year, his best season. He's an all-star that year and um, wins the all-star MVP. And uh, they have... uh, they do retain most of their um, of the previous roster. I mean, Armstrong and Horace Grant have have bigger roles, but uh, but Cartwright's still there. Uh, Paxson's still there. Purdue's still there. Stacey King's still there. Uh, Steve Kerr comes along. Coach Coach has his first year. There's also Bill Wennington and Luke Longley, and future two-time Bulls interim coach Pete Myers. Yes, a man who I've met personally. Oh, there you go. It was nice. I, I raced go karts against oh, him, so there, there you go. You go. Very nice. So <laughs> they uh, they sweep the Cavs in the first round, but then that's how pathetic my life is. It's one of my highlights of my life. Oh, so. come on. You know, I, I mm, yeah. it's it's you know, I um, I think the biggest NBA celebrity I ever met was Jim Jackson. So okay, so I, yeah, all right. <laughs> Jimmy Jackson's that's bad. Yeah, Ohio, Ohio State star. You know. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, you're in Ohio, so he's like a legend there. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you're from, like, California, it might not be. But, no, he's an Ohio I mean, legend. He played, so for, he played for several California teams. Yeah. You know? But I don't think they would care. I don't think a Clippers uh, – well, maybe. I don't know. I don't know about – He didn't play Clippers for the Clippers, so. but he did play for the Lakers, the Kings, and the um, – and Golden State. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> so they sweep the Cavs. Then the Knicks series goes uh, seven games. Uh, they lose it. Um, it is most famous for, of, uh, of course uh, – Pippen with 1.8 seconds left. The Bulls down uh, 0-2 in, in Game 3. The game's tied 1-0-2. Uh, Phil Jackson diagrams the last-second play that goes to Kukoc, uh, not to Pippen. Pippen decides he wants to sit down. He, he takes himself out of the play, and then Kukoc ends up um, hitting a 22-fitter at the buzzer for to let, lead the Bulls to the win. 
Uh, of course, the headlines on the next day uh, were about Pippen and not Kukoc uh, so much. Um, so even though they were only down 2-1 in the series, it was still, you know, portrayed negatively because, you know, what was Pippen thinking? Um, I can kind of get a little bit where he's coming from as far as being upset that, you know, okay, I'm the guy that you were supposed to rely on all year. Why aren't you giving me the shot? Obviously, you know, like, I think as a person who likes basketball, that it is generally best to not always go to the same guy for the shot, especially a guy whose strength is not in shooting, but isn't doing other things as Pippen. But I can get where Pippen's coming from a little bit. Certainly. Yeah. And, and he waited so long and, and, and sort of always seemed like the second banana, as we, as we mentioned. So now it's his time to become the top dog. And, and you know, his fears from, the, you know, we mentioned his you know unfounded fears of, of Kukoc coming in and taking the spot. Well, that kind of happened. So I get it. I, I do. I, I, I don't like the way he responded, but I get his frustration. Sure. I, I think that I think it would have been better served going in there, doing the play and then after the game, talking to the media and sort of saying it or maybe, you know, taking Phil to the side. But to, to, the way he did it was not uh, probably not that. No, way, probably but... not. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sam Smith wrote a piece. It's a it's it's, it's a Hall of Fame piece when Pippen was inducted from on NBA.com, and he and Pippen says Phil was wrong. Those times and games, the moments that you live for, I thought it was an injustice the way Phil treated me, and I had to say something right or wrong. It wasn't what people wanted to hear, but um, you know they uh, they do take the Knicks to seven games. Uh, they might have won the series if it hadn't have been for a controversial foul call against um, against Pippen in game five. So uh, you know the the team doesn't necessarily seem all that worse for wear because of what happened, although you know, um, what probably doesn't help is uh, during the uh, off season where uh, Michael Jordan just basically like rips into uh, Pippen and Grant, just completely like uh, destroys them. Um, says that you know I covered their asses when they got tight at the end of games, and I had to overcome fourth quarter deficits all by myself. Uh, it bothered my father a lot, just as it bothered me to hear them bitching about not getting enough credit or not getting <laughs> enough shot or s- shots or squawking about the supposed preferential treatment I was getting from Phil. So, <laughs> Michael, <laughs> yeah, uh, say what you mean, I guess. So, um, you know, so, um, but you know, the uh, but. <laughs> Jordan decides to come back, I guess, uh, you know, in an, uh, you know, in less than a year. So I guess he wasn't yeah. that mad. No, he was, he was, uh, he got over. He was able to put it behind him. So, uh, <laughs> the 94, 95 season, the bulls slide, uh, a bit by their standards. They're 47 and 35, although that may be a little bit of, um, a misnomer because they actually, they had an expected win loss of 54 and 28. So they weren't necessarily yeah. that far off. It's pretty from, large swing. That's previous. pretty insane yeah, that, swing. That, that, that's first. unusual, that, that amount of it. So they were still third in the East. Um, they were 30, also they're 34 and 31 when Jordan came back and then he helped them, you know, to, um, you know, pretty good run to close out the uh, season. Um, Pippen led the Bulls in, in five categories, scoring, rebounding, assist, steals, and which he was the First in the NBA in steals, the, the only time he'd ever lead the league in anything, and block shots. Uh, he was the first player to top the club in these five gata- categories since Dave Cowens in the 78 season for the Celtics. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting uh, team and an interesting dichotomy for, for that team. But it was uh, it, Jordan came back at, at about the right time because, as you mentioned, it's pretty um, telling that they were 34 and 31. So, so I mean, it's not like they were awful, but that that's 
pretty telling. Where the year before they really it didn't really hurt them that much uh, without. I mean, not not to say it didn't hurt them a little bit. I mean, obviously did, but they were able to kind of get through it and still be a pretty good team. Whereas this year, it, yeah, there were some chinks in the armor there. But yeah. luckily, uh, well, luckily Jordan came back and all was well. They also so, lost. Soon. They lost Horace Grant, which I imagine was you know probably yeah that's huge. Yeah. They actually lost Cartwright and King and Paxton. They did get Ron Harper, so they're kind of transitioning to that uh, second dynasty roster with the exception of one piece, which we'll talk about um, uh, very shortly. Uh, They beat the original Charlotte Hornets, but they fell uh, to the Orlando Magic four games to two, the Penny Hardaway and um, Shaquille O'Neal Orlando Magic. That was kind of this series was kind of thought of at the time as like a big passing of the torch of like, okay, Shaq and Penny are going to dominate the league. And it, you know, it just, it's, it, you know, Pippen and the, and Jordan, the bulls are, you know, are, are yesterday's news. Um, and uh, of course that is not what happened, but I still feel like this playoff series loss is kind of conveniently forgotten in the Jordan, you know, six championships narrative. And he never, you know, he won all those you know championships in a row and like, you know, he retired for those two years. Well, actually he retired for a year and a half and he came back and granted it's still impressive to do what he did because, you know, he hadn't trained for basketball. There were knee issues and, and so on and so forth. I, I get that, but it's still like, you know, like he did, you know, it, it's like, it, it's, it's sort of conveniently forgotten that they lost the series. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's in the Pantheon where it's, Easily forgotten that that sometimes you do lose even if you're Michael Jordan, but yeah. that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Not a lot for uh, other people. 95 and 96, they add Dennis Rodman, uh, and things go pretty well. They are 72 and 10, in fact. Uh, and even though uh, Rodman wasn't particularly liked by Pippen, uh, in fact, Pippen says, no, I have not had a conversation with Dennis. I've never had a conversation with Dennis in my life, so I don't think it's anything new now, even though they're in the same uniform. Um uh, but, however, it works awesome in the basketball court. They uh, stormed through the playoffs with the Heat, Knicks, and Magic. 15-3 uh, and three record before the six-game finals win over the uh, Sonics. Uh, they actually did – they went up 3-0 in this, se- this series. Then they kind of let off the brakes and then, you know, clinch it in uh, game six. Uh, they're basically the same team as the previous year with the addition of Robin, although they decided, I guess, to bring back James Edwards and John Sally to uh, keep uh, Robin and company <laughs> just so they could have some bad boys there. I, I do f- find it hilarious that they had three members of the bad boys on that team. Yeah, no, it's always pretty funny. Yeah, that, that, yeah, <laughs> that for a team that, that you know, and, and they talk about so viciously about how they try to kill yeah, us and end our careers and that right, sort of stuff. Right, exactly. That's like, ah, like, come yeah, on, what a title. It's cool, you know. Um, you also have Jack Haley this year who played in uh, exactly one game, seven minutes, and scored five points. Ah, so this nice. was his. Haley, and Jack Haley was the, yeah, he was that's, the that's um, probably PR leader. Yeah, exactly. No, and he was definitely, um, and, and they always remarked that he was the guy who was, he was really good friends with Rodman, so he's basically brought in there to make sure that Dennis Rodman didn't get arrested or, like, showed up to the games or, you know, because this is prime Rodman, like, partying and yeah, weird colored yeah, hair and all that sort yeah. of stuff. So they needed to have a guy that was like, oh, okay, we're going home. We're going. So yeah. that was Jack Haley's contribution in addition to his seven minutes all year. So it's a pretty good paycheck, He though. probably had to keep, carry the suitcase that had all the giant dresses in them, too. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, the, exactly. The Kansas spray paint. So, so. yeah, I'm trying to look up how much Jack Haley made for that year. I don't know if uh, basketball. Uh, I'm sure it was worth every penny. Two hundred twenty-five thousand. There you go. Yeah. Uh, That's not good. a bad chunk of change yeah. for seven minutes. So. There you go. Uh, Pippen and Jordan were named to the All NBA first team. The two, along with Rodman, were on the All Defensive team. Pippen was fifth in MVP voting and second in Defensive Player of the Year. 
Uh, Pippen also played on the 96 Dream Team, which was not as interesting as the 92 Dream Team, but did but did roll through uh, the Atlanta Olympics all the same. Uh, 96 and 97 was the fifth title. They finished with a very close to the same record, 69 and 13. They roll through the league in the same way. However, they do add Robert Parrish, who at age 43 is at the end of the bench. Yes. And uh, so I guess the the Bulls have four of the top 50 players of all time uh, who are named this year because they they have Parrish in addition to uh, to Pippen and uh, and Jordan. Um, well, no, I guess I guess three. I'm sorry, I was thinking Rodman, but Rodman's not on the list, so never mind. He's um, the third youngest player on that list behind uh, David Robinson and Shaq. Yeah, which is impressive company yeah. for sure. That's, that's amazing that Shaq out there that yeah, quickly though. But I mean, Matt Shaq was a different. He was an animal. Yeah, I mean, man, so yeah. I, I get it. Yeah, right. Uh, he, that was that was a futures buy. That was like, well, this guy's probably going to be good for a while. Yeah. So let's just kind of throw him out right. there. So, uh, it would have sucked if they put Penny Hardaway there though. Already, like, yeah, yes, Penny guys yeah, going to be great. Oh right. yeah. god, so that was probably a good decision. <laughs> yeah. uh, and um, Grant Hill, Jerry Stackhouse. This <laughs> the fun will never end with these guys. Oh, Grant Hill. I'm sure. Yeah. Um. So, uh, final game of the regular season, Scotty actually missed a game-winning three that would have led the Bulls to have a back-to-back 70-win se- seasons, which I know was what disappointing a for you. Oh, it was, yeah. What a what a bomb. I remember that game, too. I remember it very vividly. And just, yeah, the, the Bulls, I mean, Chicago was... You would never have seen a team that was, like calls to sports radio so like people were legitimately upset that this team had only won 69 games this year it's just it, it's fascinating how what winning can do to you and what dominance can do to you like you know what i mentioned earlier how people were like upset that they didn't sweep every series right. it was the same thing with this it's like oh my god come on like i mean you won 69 games like yeah. you're the best team ever but yeah. like and they, but it's not enough not enough when you won 72 the year before so it, it's funny because, what have you done for me lately yeah it's funny because they go they actually go 16 and 4 in the playoffs after having gone 15 and 3 the previous year but they yeah. but they say well somehow this year felt completely different uh you know pippen says it was a fight a struggle whatever you want to call it but <laughs> phil told us a few days ago that the harder the journey the better it feels when you get to your destination he was right so i don't know no, if it wasn't. really was that much harder they just had to make it feel harder to motivate themselves but yeah, yeah you know so uh pippen has another awesome year um and uh it, actually it's his final all-star year because he's kind of he's hurt for most of the rest of the uh, next season you know before the all-star game but he's 11th in MVP, fourth in Defensive Player of the Year uh, voting. Jordan's actually fifth, second team All NBA, and first team All Defense. So still getting the accolades. Uh, there's a lot of talk still, uh, kind of about the whole um, will the Bulls stay together thing. Um, you know, this was every year, and that's right. another thing I remember too. Growing up, it was like every because people people get really mad when, when they're oh Jerry Krause bro- broke up the Bulls and oh my God they broke up the Bulls. But man, this thing was going on every single year, and you and you read in all the all the newspapers too, and we sort of look back through you know SI Vault and and, and different websites is that you just see well Phil I mean is Phil going to come back? He's not sure. Jordan is unsure. You know Pippen says he's gone. I mean every single year Pippen said he was done and he's retiring, and he's leaving, and he's demanding a trade. And every year Jordan was not sure and. Jackson was on edge every I mean it was just like every season so when it finally ended it was almost like people sort of now talk about how it was like they took this dynasty away from them but there was a lot of fatigue in Chicago because every summer was just filled with okay are they coming back and and guys I mean there there was a lot of times where they were just you know a week before training camp okay yeah never mind I'll be back or whatever it's not a new like it's just it was so much yeah and I mean it's understandable from the from the point of like you know these guys went through so many years with each other you know particularly Pippen and uh, Jordan and Jackson you know 
know, I mean, and they had so many deep playoff runs and it just, it, you know, must be just so tiring to have to do that every year and physically sure. tiring and mentally tiring. I and mean, they're playing more games. They're playing more games yeah. than everybody else every single and year. And all I mean, those, e- and all those, e- you know, you just get sick of those guys, I'm sure it, it, to a certain extent. And you just, you, at some point you want it, but just so mentally tiring to have to go through that all the time. So I can, I can understand, you know, from the point of view of the players of, of why that's so tiring and why it's sure. hard to like make the decision. But yeah, as a fan base, you do get kind of sick of that speculation. Um, uh, so forth, uh, you know, uh, Reinsdorf talks about, uh, it, you know, in one of the articles about like, um, talking about how Scotty has grown up. It has uh, been, he's a complete package. He has grown up. You don't read any dumb comments anymore. No more girlfriend problems, no gun incidences. And you have Kukoc to help. It's kind of the idea of like, well, whether they'll give superstar money to Pippen if Jordan leaves, you know, and, and kind of keep him in that spot. So they kind of feel like, yeah. you know, oh, maybe he'll be worth it. So. I thought the the comments of maturity were interesting there because, you know, the uh, he had sort of had a reputation of not uh, being so. So um, the Bulls only 62 and 20 in in the 98 season. This team sucks. Yeah. (laughs) Break them up. (laughs) It's the first 35 games we're recovering from offseason left left surgery, which was kind of, I guess, decided late. You know, it was one of those things where he was kind of not sure if he would come back and his teammates were mad at him. But he eventually came back. He's. Again, you know, he's third team all NBA, first team all D, uh, 10th in MVP voting, which probably was not the best, <laughs> which in retrospect, no. you know, missing 35 games and being that high it wasn't that great. He was tied for ninth in defensive player of the year voting behind Jordan Rodman. Um, they ran through the Nets and Hornets, but they had a they went to seven games against the Pacers in one of the toughest series they ever faced. Um against uh you know the the fourth game seven for uh pippen uh and uh i guess he was two and two uh so far in those and they just really did um you know uh that that was a tough one for them but they got through it and they uh they met the Stockton and Malone Jazz again, and of course, Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Michael Jordan <laughs> has one of his uh, famous, uh, incredible uh, shots. The uh, are, am I allowed to call it a push off, or is that not? I was no, no. I'm I, I even at the time, and that's me being the contrarian or whatever. Even at the time, I was sure. telling my friends, I was like, he shoved him, and they're yeah. like, no, he didn't. At the same time, because I loved Reggie Miller at that time too. I, like, I suddenly went blind in that moment. Yeah, the the shove of Byron Russell and that you know awesome game winning shot to give the Bulls, the, of course, the six championships. So because I was big, I, I loved Reggie Miller at the time too, and 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 he famously, I, I think, in that same year, you know, shoved Michael Jordan and, and took a game winning shot. Right. And everybody was like, oh, he shoved him, and I was like, it's the same play. Like, yeah. like no, 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 he fell down. Like you know, Jordan, of course, it was such a good crossover that Russell fell down, and you know. But that cheating yes. <laughs> Reggie Miller, like, but no, yeah, it was yeah. it was it was a it was a push off. Yeah. But I think I think everybody can admit that at that at this point. That, but whatever. Yeah, that uh, and that Bulls Pacers series was another one where there really were no. There was one like nineteen point difference, but the rest of them were like six and under basically. So, you know, that's a pretty incredible, um, a, a pretty incredibly tight series. Um, so yeah, the sixth championship. Then we head into the uh, you, we have the first NBA lockout. Um, the Bulls break up, and I mean, Pippen's showing. You know, he he showed uh, some signs of just uh, in his last two NBA Finals games, he only scored six points on two of sixteen shooting. Um, uh, only had twenty six game minutes in the deciding game. Clearly not himself, and had problems with a back injury. So. 
Um, you know, but by the end, it, it did seem to be kind of time for everyone to uh, move on. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Jordan retired. Phil was gone for a year, and uh, and and Pippen went elsewhere. So we're going to yeah. we're going to take a little break, uh, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about our favorite NBA commercials, including a Scottie Pippen classic. This is one six foot, I can't handle one-on-one. Ladies, let's have a party. Choose from Mr. Submarine's great lineup of your favorite subs. Mr. Submarine's king-size sub, a regular sub piled high with your favorite meats and cheeses. For the best-tasting meal around, Mr. Submarine is the real stuff. All right, so I, I know I'm hungry for Mr. Submarine. <laughs> Which I don't think you guys have those. We we have them around here. I think it's just a strictly Chicago. Do you have? You don't have Mr. Submarine, we, do you? We, do, we are unfortunately not. Uh, oh, they're pretty good. We don't they're have Mr. Submarine. Yeah, you know. Okay, well, yeah. Let's. <laughs> they're a lot to handle. I, I see why Scott needed the help of the cheerleaders. So he uh, did absolutely. I don't know if you could get that. I, I think you can get that from the audio. Yeah, ladies. That ladies are the cheerleaders. In case you haven't seen the actual audio of it. But anyway, we want to talk about our favorite NBA commercials of all time. That one always sticks out to me because it's just like the worst acted one I can remember. Although I don't know if that's all the way true because we have the page of Drobniak, uh supersonic seat sale with. What? Cat and oh, I guess those were acted well. I, I suppose was an incredible, incredible actor. Well, Jinky's the cat done a great job. Yeah, well, yeah, she, you know, she was top yeah. Top. I mean, Paige isn't really speaking his native <laughs> language, so you know, let's let's give him a little bit. Of, I mean, you know, he's literally on fire. I mean, what do you expect? He's, I know. I, I he's wearing you know bandages and stuff. I get a Paige Drabniak is, is a lot. That that the the Paige Drabniak era in uh, Seattle was was incredible because I remember uh, we, we talked about this a little bit off air, but I uh, there was a I, maybe somebody remember if, if anybody remembers this, please let me know. Uh, you know, at Twitter at uh, over over and back NBA, if you remember this, but there was a Page Drobniak soundboard on the Supersonics website, and what you can do is it, he basically did trash talk, but you can tell because obviously English is a second language that they just like handed him sheets of paper, and he like read these off. He had no idea what these meant. Like there was one where he's like, "Your game smells of cabbage," or like. Like just just insult or like you know it was like a trash talk soundboard or whatever it was it was the most incredible thing ever but I, I miss Paige Drobniak. Yeah, Paige Drobniak, member of the uh, the famous uh, two thousand and four two thousand and five Atlanta Hawks. Oh yeah, oh was he? That, I did not know I, that. Wow. That I am going to mention on every single episode that we ever <laughs> do of this, uh, of this podcast. So. Well, that roster is huge. I remember when we looked at it during the John Barry thing. I think they had like thirty guys on the roster <laughs> they, that year. Like, they played know, a lot so of players. You know, it, like it you takes can a lot easily do like a six be, degrees. That bad, you, you know, you can do a six degrees of 2004-2005. You know, Kenny Anderson, John Barry, Childress, Collier, Delk, Diaw, Dravniak, Gugliotta, Harrington. I mean, you're good. You got like. You're gonna find somebody for any Kevin Willis like that. That stretches out. He's yeah. a 19 year veteran Kevin at this Willis time. For you got years, so. six degrees. Yeah, yeah, you got six degrees easily there. Uh, so that's one of my uh, personal favorites. Uh, one that I mentioned too. Um, I don't know if you remember it. It was uh, I think it was in the early maybe 2003, 2004, 2005 somewhere in that area. There was the Nike Ray Guns, which was a type of shoe, and they had the uh, the Roswell. I forgot exactly what they were, but it was like to keep that funk alive or keep the funk alive. Thing. So you had like Vince Carter and Jermaine O'Neal and Jerry Stackhouse wearing like 70s gear to a Booty Collins song. It was awesome. Yeah, it was, was really fun. good. I, I Yeah. That's one of my favorites. Uh, and the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday was another one that, that stuck in my head forever. And that, that I don't know what you count that. That was the uh, the NBA on TNT and TBS promotion. So just to let you know that they were on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I just The, the commercial just says Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday like 7,000 times. So still in my head, I, 
I subconsciously every Tuesday go to TBS or TNT, and there's not games on all the time. So. You, you might <laughs> you might be wrestling there too, but unfortunately, that's not the case either. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, oh, I used to love TNT and TBS. That was honestly that's all I'd watch all week because you look at, I mean, Monday obviously Nitro, Tuesday basketball, Wednesday basketball, Thursday basketball, and then Thunder. There you go. It's good. Yeah. Friday dinner and a movie was on during the weekend. So <laughs> you do you remember dinner and a movie? WCW Saturday night on Saturday. Saturday night. Yeah, yeah I, I you know. Yeah, that's uh, six days what? you got covered right there. Channel? Yeah. yeah, those are the glory days. Um, <laughs> so, you know, so some of the ones, uh, you know, of course, uh, a couple that were just really like influential in kind of um, not marketing the NBA and marketing its stars and kind of showing what like the commercial form could do, both like in the artistic sense and in the selling of shoes sense are, you know, the Charles Barkley, I am not a role model um spot that you know was just kind of really famous after Barkley had kind of been involved in some um incidents that kind of made him look like a jerk it was kind of a way of him to kind of like define himself as like I'm I'm an athlete not a role model I'm a, I'm a regular yeah. person you know um and of course um Mars Blackman and Michael Jordan it's got to be the shoes you know the uh, you know the, the the black and white style with Spike Lee playing this you know little Mars Blackman nerdy character and you know repeatedly asking Jordan why he's so great and you know and 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 uh, you know the, the just added like a lot of humor and a lot of style and just you know made Nike and the NBA seem really cool. Sure. And then later, I I always really liked the little Penny uh, oh, spots. Yeah, yeah. You know, with uh, for Penny Hardaway and just uh, Penny Hardaway just such had like. I think he's a little bit forgotten because of course he had the, uh, you know, he had the, he had the shack left and then he had the injury and then, you know, was never really the same player and, and, and never really became the star that people thought he would kind of be, but he was just such a great player to watch, you know, early in his career and was really marketable and, and the little penny doll that kind of like followed him around and like a (laughs) ventriloquist doll and, you know, said funny things. I mean, that was just a real, I, I like to imagine what little penny is doing today. You know, like I, there's a Twitter opportunity for somebody out there to do a <laughs> little penny Twitter account to let us know what. Do we uh, know for sure that there's not a little penny? Well, so, I don't well, know for sure. I mean, I, I have. Let's been, see here. Looked, I have not looked. Oh, we got the real little penny. It's little penny Nike. Uh, spokes oh, puppet. There you go. For is this the actual? Uh, he only has 266 followers. So, uh, Nike stores near Tyra Banks. Well. Yeah, I don't know if it is. Um, I don't know if it's actually the real little penny, but no, actually, no. There's a picture. Oh no, 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 no. It says the real. Little um. Penny. Yeah, this looks pretty official. I don't know. They just didn't market it very well. There's Paul George talking to him. He jinxed it. <laughs> don't go near Little Penny. He will make your legs explode. Oh, People, that's kind of... <laughs> stay away from Little Penny. Like, he's clearly cursed. I mean, uh, what, what did Blackstreet do after the No Diggity video? Yeah, Nothing. Exactly. So, I mean, <laughs> and he was in that one. I mean, that, I'm, gonna, I'm just saying. I'm going to start following Little Penny. There we go. I think I should too. Yeah. yeah okay, I mean, there it is. Now he has 267 followers. Very there. good. Yeah, unfortunately, he hasn't tweeted since September or uh, February fifteenth. But well, okay. let's keep it. Now we will. Now we will. Because he's, oh, he's probably February fifteenth. Oh well, then that makes a little bit of sense. Because like that felt like that was making fun of Paul George for breaking his leg. It's like, geez. No, no, no. Okay, now now I understand. I'm like, all right, that seems more. <laughs> I'm just saying that if you if you take pictures or you're around Little Penny at some point, your leg is going to explode. Gotcha. Clearly, <laughs> I mean, we're looking at the evidence, and there it's pretty go. it's pretty obvious. So. so that's very sad. All right. Well, uh, I think we're, that's going to be it for our favorite NBA uh, commercial. What's yours too? You got to tweet at us with your favorite as well. Absolutely, yeah. Tweet Everyone's at got their own. Over and back YouTube, uh, NBA, and we would love to hear your choices for the uh, for your favorite NBA commercials. 
And you better put a YouTube link in there, too, so we can all laugh at all right. and watch them. So. so we'll be back in a little bit with the end of Scottie Pippen's career. All right, so we're back, and we are going to talk about the uh, end of Scottie Pippen's career. He uh, was traded from the Bulls uh, to the Houston Rockets in 1999, attempt to build a super team with uh, Pippen, Charles Barkley, and Hakeem Olajuwon. It did not go so well. Um, uh, no. <laughs> they had uh, Katina Mobley taking game-winning, game-winning attempt shots. Um, you know, it was the, it was the lockout year. So there were only 50 games in the season. You know, it was hard for the veterans to kind of, you know, get back in gear. Although Barkley and Akeem did have strong seasons. It was actually Pippen who kind of fell off that season. Um, he did get first team all D, but so forth, but his scoring was way down. He was like, um, uh, I don't know. He, I was like six, I think on the team in win win score per 48 minutes. So, um, so not so strong, you know? Um, and, uh, they don't do well in the playoffs either. They, uh, they lose to the Lakers in four games. Um, Barkley and Pippen feud. And, uh, so they decide, Hey, maybe we'll, uh, we'll trade him to the Blazers for Stacy Ogman, Kelvin Cato, Ed Gray, Carlos Rogers, Brian Shaw, and Walt Williams. It's a big haul that is. for one guy. That yeah. is. Because it was straight up, right? It was just him for all those dudes. I, or no, they, he, there had to be somebody else in there, right? Uh, let me, let me. I think maybe there was no. Old school NBA trades are weird. So that was all. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I was looking earlier. Oh my god! So you had one, two, three, four, five, six guys for one. Yeah. What the hell? Like... Now the the Lasers <laughs> were able to get Ogwin back. So it, oh good. Okay. Yeah. So thankfully, thankfully. Um, so at this point, um, he's 34. Uh, he's on a a Blazers team that has a lot of named players. They've Super Wallace, they've Steve Smith, Damon Stoudemire, Adrius Stetlev Shrimp, Greg Anthony, Brian Grant, Bonzi Wells, a very young Jermaine O'Neal, and then Augman. Uh, but six of those guys are over 30. They're a pretty old team. They don't really have that star. Uh, they're coached by Mike Dunleavy, which probably isn't your best bet for an elite team. Um, so they, um, uh, you know, and they actually, you know, they go deep. I mean, they go to the Western Conference Finals. They beat the Wolves and the Jazz. Uh, and then in the Lakers, uh, it goes seven. They're actually down three games to one. They rally for game seven, but they famously blow a 15-point lead in the fourth quarter. Um, Pippen only scored 12 points uh, on three of ten shooting. Um, and it didn't uh, – and was definitely like um, – he just he just had kind of a rough time uh, adjusting to that. I mean, even though yeah. like he wasn't expected to be like the man because they had so many like very very good players, maybe even some you know excellent players, but they didn't they didn't really have a star, which I think. They wanted that winning. I mean, you sort of when you get a guy like Pippen at this point, you're sort of assuming, okay, this is a guy who's won six championships. He's going to be the calming influence, or you know, the veteran influence. And right. he really wasn't that, that at all. I mean, he fell nice. into the trap of, I mean, like Rashid would bitch about a call, and then Pippen would bitch. I mean, it's just like that. Yeah. And you remember going and watching those games that it was like this was the guy that everybody sort of and you watch it too. I mean, there's a game that I remember watching a a video of doing the the recaps of this where Bill Walton is like shouting at Scottie Pippen is like, damn it, be a leader, like be a veteran, like because Pippen's you know. Rashid 
Rashid did something and got really mad and Stoudemire got really mad and then Pippen got really mad and Walton's just like, come on, like you're supposed to be the leader and you're like, you know, it just, it didn't work. He didn't fit that role at all. He was a guy that sort of fell into the trap of, of what would become, you know, the jailblazers and that sort of stuff sure. and, and didn't fit that. He wasn't that calming influence that they had hoped. He just sort of fit in line with everybody else and that's not what he was brought there to do at all. Absolutely. So. The next season, they're 50 and 32. Uh, they actually got even older. They added Dale Davis and Rod Strickland. Uh, and, and Sean Kemp, um, fat, but not quite as fat Sean Kemp, I guess, as, as previous. Getting fat, yeah, yeah. Well, right. I, I think he had lost some. Oh no, you're right. He did, yeah. He was calves. I mean, he was. Yeah, because yeah. he was a gigantic man during with the calves. Right. Yeah, he had sort of got, gotten into shape a little, a little bit, bit, but he had yeah. by that point. Um, so uh, they are swept in the first round by the Lakers. Um, then in the 2 season, they add a new coach. They're 49 and 33. Uh, they subtract Steve Smith, Sabonis, Ogman, and Anthony, but they add Derek Anderson, Ruben Patterson, and, and Steve Kerr, and also a rookie, Zach Randolph, playing 238 minutes in 41 games, and definitely kind of feeling, getting closer to that Jailblazers roster that, you know, um, would totally alienate the team in uh, the mid-2000s. Um, there's actually a story this year on how the team is alienating fans saying that Pippen has shifted to cruise control now that he's earning the fat payday, $18.1 million this season that eluded him in Chicago. He was averaging nine, point, nine points a game, the fewest since his rookie year, uh, again swept by the Lakers. Uh, he actually finishes better than, than the story has at that point, but it's still definitely like – you know, there's that there's the certainly the perception, if not the reality that he has, you know, he, he's just kind of cashing the checks a little bit and he's not necessarily playing as hard as he could be. So, yeah, then the 03 season about the same record, 15, 32. So they have a 50 and 49 and a, and a 50 win season all in a row. So about the same spot, despite the roster changing over a little bit. Kemp and Kerr are gone. Jeff McGinnis and Antonio Daniels are in. Sabonis actually makes a comeback after being retired for the season. Um, Pippen, pretty cynical about the season in D- December 16th of 02, so pretty early that season, saying, we'll get better, but we ain't going to make it a total turnaround. It's impossible because of the makeup of our team. It's always new personnel. It's always, now we've got to see how this guy plays and how we're going to fit him in. You can't keep doing that. And indeed, they do, they're a little better because they actually do, they go to seven games against a uh, Mavs team. Uh, I I believe the last um, Steve Nash Mavs team, or maybe maybe Steve Nash lasted another year there, but um, but in the 03 playoffs. So, you know, they, they do have kind of have one, uh, you know, pretty good playoff series against the uh, Mavericks. You know, it's pretty competitive uh, games there. Uh, but then um, Pippen's contract is up, and he decides to, uh, or I guess the Bulls decide to, uh, give him another run um just it, it, you know they're very clear about like hey he's just going to be kind of uh a guy who's going to show them how to be professionals get them to play hard he'll play a little bit but won't be you know a team you know bill cartwright is the coach he's actually replaced early pretty early in the season by scott skiles and what a strange team they had that year Oh, one of my favorite teams of all time. I remember growing up, uh, Bulls tickets at this point were, because they had been awful for a few years before this, Bulls tickets were super cheap. And I, I think I was in high school. And like, if you showed a high school ID, you got in for like 10 bucks or something. It, it was ridiculous. I went to tons of games this particular year. So yeah. Well, yeah. this is a team that, that that's synonymous with my childhood. Yeah, I mean, and they Jamal. Unfortunately, I had a rough childhood. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, the Bulls obviously have been terrible since the, um, 
yeah. since that year. They would actually be, be pretty good the next year um, and, and then kind of bounce up and down until Derrick Rose. But, um, I mean, they had Jamal Crawford, they had Kirk Heinrich, Eddie Curry, Antonio Davis, Jerome Williams, uh, Tyson Chandler, who had kind of an injury-plagued year, plus Pippen, Jalen Rose, Daniel Marshall, Gennaro Pargo, Paul Shirley, and Roger Mason, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So just kind of a weird, uh, kind of a weird roster. But uh, he doesn't end up playing the second year. Um, he's waived, um, but he makes $10 million over those years. So the Bulls give him a, a decent payday at the end of things after all. Yeah, so when people say that the Bulls are cheap and they don't, you know, amnesty people and, and that sort of crap that Bill Simmons and the unresearched do, then, yeah, that, they gave that guy $10 million a year to just kind of sit there and do yeah, nothing. Well, and then, well, I think it was $5 million per year. Or $5 million per but, year, but, but then still. also, yeah, and that's, that's not a bad for a guy that was, I mean, he not yeah. good at that point. Right. And, and really, in a lot of ways, when he was sent over to Houston as well, they did it in a sign-and-trade and only got, I think, Roy Rogers and somebody else back. And, and the sign-and-trade was the, the reason for that was to get, you know, Pippen the most money on his way out. So yeah. th- there's always this narrative that they're cheap and all that sort of stuff. And it's just it's, it's unfounded and not true because there's plenty, plenty of examples. So there you go. Stop. Do your research, Bill Simmons. Yeah, yes. idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Which he's certainly, most certainly. I, I, I would mean, imagine so. Why would he not? Exactly. I mean, so, Unless he wants to come out of the show and then he's not. Yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah, we'll, we love, we, we, you know. All right, I'll, take the, I'll take the Twitter mention if he wants to. You but, you know, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so um, anything we kind of want to talk about as far as the uh, the legacy of, of Scotty Pippen or anything in the advanced stats that kind of, you know, pop out to you? Yeah, so I sort of did a little bit of an advanced stats look at, at Pippen, and I was kind of surprised that he doesn't grade out all that well, or as, as well as you think he would for being, you know, a top 50 player of all time, a first ballot Hall of Famer, all that sort of stuff that we're talking about, which he absolutely deserves. But advanced stats don't really seem to fit him all that well, and that could be, you know, limitations in advanced stats for sure, and I'll definitely uh, agree to that, but it's, it's pretty interesting to see um, – all time, he ranks 18th in uh, defensive win shares, and that's that's NBA and ABA combined. He's 16th in the NBA only, so the only two were Artis Gilmore and Julius Irving, who beat him out uh, in that one. So 18th all time in, in in total. That's that's not bad. That's pretty solid. Uh, 21st overall in steal percentage at 2.92. But what was interesting is he's below a lot of contemporaries like uh, Nate McMillan, uh, Mookie Blaylock, John Stockton, and even Michael Jordan. So it, it, it's pretty telling there. And that was just an era where there's a lot of steals. You look at you know the 80s and the early 90s was just a steal haven, and I don't know exactly know why that was but you you sort of see that a little bit and and less so than what you see now i mean it's just interesting to see those contemporaries of his you know above i I wouldn't assume that a mookie blaylock was a better defender but and and steel percentage isn't quite you know it's obviously not that but but just interesting to see regardless um effective field goal percentage he ranks 180th all time which i thought was pretty shocking too but i mean the guy wasn't i we sort of talked about how Jordan was kind of a pure score. Pippen was never that. He sort of had to use a lot of little tools and a lot of stuff, and he was really good at bank shots and really good at sort of the mid-range and that sort of stuff. So that could be a big reason why his effective field goal percentage, you know, all time doesn't rank, you know, an elite elite level. Um, and then Winshears per 48 minutes, uh, he's 111th all time. And what's very interesting about this is that he, he his bowl seasons, he's got incredible. I mean, he's re- he's top of the league, Winshears per 48 what really happens, though, and, and, and maybe less so with a lot of other people who sort of leave at least near top or, or, or at the near the top of their games or whatever, Pippen didn't do that. His, his first year in Houston, he's down a lot in win shares per 48. It uh, goes up a little bit in Portland, but then goes down. And then his bowl seasons, obviously, were just you know horrendous for that. And that really hurts him overall uh, in that stat. So I don't know if that's entirely fair, but it's still a pretty interesting point about his career of, of sort of the, the, the rise – 
uh, and then the sort of the rapid fall, and then the fact that he sort of fell for a while before kind of getting out of the league. Whereas a lot of guys and, and a lot of these top stars we're going to talk about are, are you know all time best you know great players when they're sort of retiring, it's 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 you know there's maybe one or two years and then they're like all right you know look I don't have it you know there's a guy like Shaq who who hung around for a few years after but even a guy like Jordan when he came back with the Wizards was still okay but didn't hang around for another four or five years whereas Pippen sort of had maybe three or four years of really substandard by his measures and and it sort of hurts him in the, in a few of those Zan stats especially the win shares were 48 but that, that's as much as I see I mean overall I mean the guy I think regardless of advanced stats I think he absolutely deserves to be a top 50 player of all time. I think he absolutely is in a uh, first ballot hall of famer and one of the greatest players of all time in my mind. And I don't think anything is going to change that whether advanced stance or not. Yeah. So. And I mean, you know, Pippen, um, I, I mean, I think we agree that, that the, you know, the, the stat, the box score and even some of the advanced stance, they don't necessarily capture all of what he did because, you know, he was such an effective player on defense and, you know, he was important for, um, you know, setting up his teammates and offense and moving the ball around and you know, some of those things. So, um, you know, the numbers, you know, they paint a picture, but it's, it's certainly not complete, you know, and um, but even, you know, some of the stats, you know, at least the, the total stats, you know, he is 39th all time in, you know, just in win shares, which, you know, would be around the spot where I would say that, you know, he kind sure. of belongs, you know, compiling his career, you know, um, um, that would be I, I would roughly kind of think he's in the top 30 or 40 in NBA players, you know, uh, of all time. You, you, you know, I haven't done a study or anything, but just kind of thinking that would kind of make sense about where he was. And and obviously, you know, we've talked a little bit about I mean, he was just a guy who really revolutionized a small four position in a lot of ways. I mean, I, I think he made it more of a defensive position than it had been previously. I mean, not that there weren't good defenders uh, you know, on the wing, but I think like he made he was just an elite defender on the wing. Um you know, not just not just in terms of steals, which obviously he was he did very well, but also in terms of just like, um, you know, positional defense. Um, and I I do think that, uh, you know, he's obviously a, uh, you know, a, a, a guy who um, just it was, and was so athletic in that position, too. And not that there were athletic small forwards, but there were a lot of guys who. You know, um, like Kiki Vandaway or, you know, guys who, you know, weren't, weren't necessarily like the most athletic guys, you know, who who were the, you know, the the small forwards of the 80s, you know, and, yeah. um, you know, and and, and Pippen kind of took that in a different way and uh, or at least helped kind of lead that in, in a different way, I think. Certainly, yeah, and and we talk about a guy sort of ahead of his time in, in a lot of ways, and, and as you sort of go through history, you realize maybe he wasn't as unique as we, we sort of think of now, but he still, I mean, absolutely was. I think you, you look at guys now, and it's sort of routine or common that you would get these guys that are 6'8 and above or you know 6'7 and above or whatever that, that are, are good dribblers, good passers, that sort of stuff, and Pippen in a lot of ways, I mean, he wasn't the first, but he certainly is one that we remember of this modern era of just these super athletic dudes that could also – you know, we're, we're just so versatile and, and we're used to that now with the Durants and LeBrons and these sort of guys as well that we're used to people just being able to do everything or, 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 or having all those different skills. But he was he was unique at the time in a, in a lot of ways. And and I think he has a part in history for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, well, uh, Rich, uh, we finished another show. We did. Yeah, yes. They didn't pull the plug during it. So, that's good. <laughs> so uh, thanks so much for doing another one with me. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks everyone for uh, checking us out. Uh, we would love to hear your feedback. You can tweet us at uh, over and back NBA. 
you can also uh, we, we, you can leave uh, story comments at the if you're if you're checking us out at the podium game, you can leave story comments at, at the uh, bottom of the post. Um, also, if you want to uh, give us a rating and review on iTunes, just click on that link. You can also search for podcast paroxysm in iTunes and you can find uh, you'll be able to find our podcast there along with the other uh, podcasts of the uh, HP network. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's about it. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for doing it again. And, and thanks for actually letting me come back here on. Yeah, I, I didn't get kicked out. You didn't find a new co-host. So that's, it's a positive for both of us. Oh, Rich, <laughs> we're, I, we're together till the end, buddy. Oh no. <laughs> oh dear God. <laughs> Take care. All right, you too. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.